The Commander Crunch Podcast is brought to you by PureMTGO.com. Head over there for great articles covering all formats of the game we all love. This podcast is also brought to you by Josh and Pat's MTG Bazaar, your home for magic card auctions in Australia, New Zealand, and Malaysia. Now, on to the podcast. It's breakfast time. Welcome to Commander Crunch episode 30. You're here for your nutritious serving of tasty Commander treats on the regular. We're all about celebrating the culture, community, and creativity of primarily our favorite format of Commander, plus a side serving of entertainment pop culture discussions for ancillary influencers. I'm, of course, one of your hosts, Sam, and I'm not joined by Cheshire this week. I don't know where he went. He disappeared. He's actually uh, on official duties uh, off at, I think it's the Australian Trading Card Association uh, or he's representing them at Oz Comic Con in Sydney, which I, mean, I think going to places with people that you know it's not warranted, not massive crowds, but people in 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 kind of public places is still something that's new to us. But um, he is of course doing cool things for basketball cards. So uh, he said, "Take it from here, Sam, this weekend, and you know steer the ship the right way. Hopefully, hopefully I won't shipwreck this thing. But um, yeah, we'll see how we go." Um, so I've actually enlisted some help this week and uh, and got a got a great guest online, uh, Mr. Max Crandell. How you doing, man? Hey, Sam. Thank you so much for having me on. I hope I live up to Cheshire's expectations. And <laughs> worst case, I'm always down for going down with the ship. So let's 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 sink it. <laughs> exactly exactly and uh i mean it's the type of thing that's you know i don't think anyone can drop as many f-bombs as chesh and, and all that stuff so you know you've got got those boots to fill whatever but uh yeah i mean uh people around the command sphere must know uh max's name from the great commander central podcast he's uh one of wisconsin's finest a ducks fan devout ipa fan uh and i remember first hearing about max from the the early days of what probably cco just hearing who's this max grandel guy you know just they keep saying he's a totally medium guy so uh, oh that was <laughs> it's good to finally like <laughs> that good to finally get to know the person a little bit and play some commander games over lexicon and and, and just you know talk shit basically it's great yeah thank you thank you for that great introduction and yeah that that sounds about right. Uh, back during the Attractable, and I don't think they said oh, I was yeah. a medium guy. I'm pretty sure it was full frontal, a thousand fu's to the sun. <laughs> Who is this American guy that keeps making fun of us? Oh yeah, <laughs> uh, you can be an honorary Canadian. I'm sure. For sure. I, I try. Uh, I like uh, hockey. I think that gets my foot in the door. Yeah, exactly. Ducks fan, as we say. So Heck yeah, yeah, cool. So I've got a few things to go into today we uh we pretty much uh it's 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 fairly uh normal in the way that we like to do our uh, our guest kind of uh profiles here with with you know the community and creators and becoming a place to share and explore the essence of commander and why we play in effort to promote and celebrate those in the form of just great conversations so seeing where it goes it's going to be a bit of fun there's a couple of things that have happened in magic in the last few weeks probably won't touch too heavily on those Aww. because they are what they are new cards coming out i mean actually no there is one i want to talk to you about good i'm looking forward <laughs> but, to that uh, one. i'm looking forward to that yeah, yeah. There's time spiral stuff. Let's. I mean, you know what? Let's get into it now. The one uh, I want to talk to you about: universes beyond. Uh, the uh, the great kind of PR statement that, uh, as as a lot of people expected, wizards are shifting in a way to go. Hey, uh, we can in- implement some IPs into our game, and you know, hopefully not piss off too many people. Uh, but more like drawing different fans of different kind of uh, you know fandoms and and that kind of thing without you know i think the whole idea is that like 
all right, we we, we kind of learned that you can't, definitely can't print like standard legal cards. They've got to be their own thing, that kind of thing. Um, but of course, outcries, you know, when we, we, we got the announcement that Warhammer 40, 40K and Lord of the Rings will be the first two kind of to have their own expands. So uh, any initial thoughts, Max? What's, what's, what's going on in the world of uh, universes beyond? So, so we briefly touched on this in a Commander Central episode a couple of weeks back. Um, unlike my co-hosts, Dana and Chris, I was, <laughs> I was a little more pro uh, this idea. Um, yep, yep. And when this kind of all kind of a, the big hoopla about alternative IPs was a few months ago with the Walking Dead secret lair. That, I think that was the last big thing, right? Because they were mm. legal to play with cards. They weren't silver bordered, such as like the Transformer card and the My Little Pony stuff. Um, but these were black bordered cards that Commander players can use in Commander and Legacy, wherever else they're legal. And the fact that they had mechanically unique uh printings essentially stuff you haven't seen in a standard set or a modern set like modern horizons you know that was the big uproar am i am i wrong in that statement no i think that's right okay. it's, it's just like when it, it kind of it, it, it people felt like it kind of just encroached on you know what what could be uh what could like have the been a standard the game card. in one yeah exactly exactly right. or why didn't you like just just run another card and, and relabel it like you did the godzilla cards that kind of stuff right but, and you know and th- and i i will fully admit i'm ignoring all the other story precedent that goes with the walking dead series and all that lore because i'm not familiar with it so i'm not going to mm. speak on it um yeah fair back back when that all started i was pretty anti this idea uh just because of the more the mechanically unique aspect i don't care about the ip to be honest uh, because I bought mm. the My Little Pony stuff. I would love to get my hands on the, the Grimlock card. Stuff like that. Mm. Um, so when this Universes Beyond thing got announced, I'm sitting there I'm like, okay. Warhammer 40k. I don't play that game. I've played some of the, the spin-off video games. So I kind of know the universe. Um, cool. They're commander decks. That's kind of a cool idea to take that universe and put them into commander decks. Because there are factions and army type ideas to my knowledge um yeah awesome and then the lord of the rings getting essentially a 300 card set or like a standard type set in size um i'm gonna just throw that out there out this here out i'm gonna throw this out to the internet right now i'm not a fan of the lord of the ring franchise <laughs> I remember we had a we had a bit of this chat actually on Lexicon. We did. I was, I was very um, very curious to kind of like d- ding into this for sure. So I I love the books. I read the books as a kid. I've read the books as adults. The mm, books mm. are great. When I was a kid, I saw the movies because that's what you did. You all went to the movies on the weekend with your friends and saw the newest thing. And as a kid, I thought they were cool action packed movies, but they were also three plus hours long every two years, um, give or take. As an adult, knowing how valuable my free time is, <laughs> I can't, yep. and this is going to make me sound like a hypocrite, and I'll get to this, I can't justify watching the extended cuts, because you have to watch the extended cuts now, because that's what pop oh, culture no demands, um, of all three movies, because I don't have 20 hours in a weekend to give to mm. three movies or even over the course of a week with all of my, all my other hobbies and whatnot. Um, 
The reason I'm saying I'm slightly a hypocrite is if you said, hey, Max, let's power through the MCU universe in the next two weeks, I will clear my schedule. <laughs> so that's a different story, <laughs> um, which will tie back into well, this entire courses, question. Right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, it just that the Lord of the Rings thing just doesn't appeal to me, which, you know, friends of mine are like, that's really weird because you play a match together. And isn't that kind of the same thing? I'm like, yes and no. Mm-hmm. I get why you would say that, you know, elves and whatnot. I, I get the analogy. And the fact that you can relate that to Magic the Gathering, I'm going to give you points. Um, but they just they just aren't my thing. So, like, as a yeah. consumer, am I going to go buy a pack of that Lord of the Rings set or buy some singles? Probably not. Unless they do something specific for my decks, since that's the type of brewer I am. I build around a theme or something. Sure. If mm-hmm. I can go get that cool griffin they, they fly on at the end of the first movie where they should have flown all the way to Mordor and it has a cool ability that I can put into my Dragon Lord Jamoka deck, I'll probably put that in my deck if it means the deck gets incremented, incrementally better, you know, or it'll mm. be more fun than something else I'm running. But I'm not going to stand at my LGS the day it comes out cracking packs. That's just, that's not the yeah. IP for yeah. me. And and I think also conversely, you're not going to sit out the front of a uh, the you know wizard's headquarters with a sign like you know like ban all IPs type stuff. It's like, and no. I think that's it. It's there was a there was a thing that came down to like, uh, and then I, I I must say I've been influenced by a few people I've spoke to on the podcast, and the kind of it's helped really shape the way I feel and and kind of formalize and uh, put a tangible kind of uh, belief like oh just know what i believe in kind of thing right. when it comes to this game and then bottom line is like yeah I'll, i love it and it's a huge part of my life but i'm not going to take it so seriously that it's going to um, like dismantle some things and uh there's a few great conversations about like almost getting comfortable with the idea it's like yeah magic might not necessarily last forever and it's still run by a company and we're and we're kind of just at the whim of whatever they do and that's fine that's fine that's absolutely fine and i think the best way i saw it put was it might have even been cheap wave on twitter just said hey right now probably the best way to look at it if you don't believe in the ips that's fine uh they're you know they're gonna happen and i think we all knew it was probably the you know inevitability anyway but it's like you've got a friend that goes, oh, I heard you play Magic and I'm a real big Lord of the Rings fan or a 40K fan and like, oh, you know, what's Magic like? You know, oh, I'm really kind of interested to get into it. Like this is not the time to gatekeep or sit there going, then the first thing you tell them is all the the problematic issues with like the, the you know, the Walking Dead uh, secret layer. They're going to bounce right off. Like it's time for, I think Sheepo put it, it's time to be a good advocate for the game and be a good ambassador. I'm like, hell yeah. Like I love that, that, that thought. So um yeah it's it's fun like i i'm fine with like lord of the rings um i i i, I quite like lord of the rings i don't know much about 40k but i'll embrace the cards well, i mean i'll see what it, they have so yeah exactly so like as you were saying about cheap waves tweet and the gatekeeping i i totally admit that and we kind of made that point on commander central is you know i know mm. i have friends that have tried to learn magic but between yeah, their yeah. lives and you know their relationships they can't they can't commit a night to the LGS back when you could do that you know back in the yeah. way way back times or they couldn't commit a night <laughs> to a VEDH game but i bet you know in a year from now when this lord of the rings set finally comes out cuz it's not dropping i mean it might drop in 2021 nothing's been official mm. but it's probably not i'm just going to that's that's where i'm throwing my bet is it's not dropping in 2021 well, in a year from now, when it's safe to go back to your LGS or to your, 
your friend's house to sit down and play EDH with a bunch of people. I guarantee mm. you, I have at least three or four close friends that have tried to learn magic, are interested in the game, but are like, you know, there's not enough here to tie me to keep doing it. That The minute yeah, that yeah. Lord of the Rings set drops, I'm going to get a text and be like, hey, I want to get back into magic. I hear there's an entire set about Lord of the Rings. I, me and my husband, they're diehard Lord of the Rings fans. Will you help us relearn the game? Heck yes. Yeah. Like I'll I'll do that and I'll draw exactly. I'll cancel weekend plans. I'll be there and I'll bring a six pack. Let's freaking learn how to play magic. <laughs> I'm here to do it. And so Yeah, exactly. Shadowfax is gonna be in the game and like exactly. you might get Mary and Pip and the partners. Like, hell that, yeah. Let's, oh, let's I never even <laughs> thought about that. Oh, partners would be so cool. Um <laughs> equip uh, equip old Toby, you I know, just, like yeah, I just want orc tokens. Like I just wanna like the, yeah, the really gnarly yeah. looking orc as a token. <laughs> Which you, oh that one that gives um oh, oh I can't remember exactly the we're point. both thinking like, of the not, same not one Urukai, but the we actual can't orc guy. Yes. he's like oh what about them they look fresh that guy or like, like yeah. the big the big tree people as tree folk like I can't wait for that yeah yeah but like and it's funny I've made many many Lord of the Rings jokes with decks I make too I mean I literally I made last year I said this is Shadow Facts and um the Colfriner deck is is pretty much like hey look it's tree beard like it's fantastic you make those jokes and I was like oh, I never actually thought we might get cards. Not that it changes too but, much. It's just fun. So, know? so the the overall point, and I'm gonna I'm gonna actually continue on this topic if you don't mind. Um, no, please do. So the point the I the yours. point I made on Commander Central is the fact that I kind of looked at it as from like a a, a non invested player. You know, I'm that I'm that guy yes. that plays at my kitchen table with my three best friends from college. We you know we all live in our hometown with our wives. We get that one Saturday night a week to go over and play Commander. We build our decks from what we have, and we buy the pre-cons every year. Like, they they, mm. they visit their LGS once a year to buy the five pre-cons, and maybe some extra sing- are And then on top of that, they shell out maybe 100 bucks a quarter to buy singles from their LGS. They at least support their LGS, but that's all they really spend. They're not the invested player yeah. buying the pre-cons or booster packs of the newest standard set just to crack packs they know what they want Mm. they buy their cards they keep playing with the same decks every every week for an entire year until they do a mass change you know or whatever however they work that's what these ips are going to do for that section of the the community that essentially nobody knows about because they're not on twitter they're not in discords they're not you know they may listen to this show they may listen to my show they may listen to cco they may listen to or they may they may have lexicon on in the background when they're playing at their kitchen table, you know, on their iPads. But like they aren't the invested player like you and I probably are where we're watching preview seasons and we're digging sc- through scryfall when we can't sleep. That type of stuff. They're mm, the people that mm, drop mm. 500 their magic budget is 5 to 600 dollars a year and I know that is also a lot of money no matter what, but compared to the invested player that's nothing typically. <laughs> yeah that's yeah that's I'm what really these, I, that's what these that, ips think, yeah. are for those are the guys that are going to go to their lgs guys or girls are going to go to their lgs and be like i want to pre-order a case of that lord of the rings set i want all those <laughs> i want all five warhammer 40k commander decks that lgs just yeah. doubled their business off of that that five yeah, percent of customers 
And ideally making it more a welcoming place. And that's, that's the key there. And I'm really glad you touched on it because it's something I think about a, a bit, but I probably haven't even formalized it in the form of a conversation yet. But it's like, it is really easy to fall in the trap, whether it is us making uh, content, playing a lot of Commander on, online with a lot of investor players, things like that. But it's, it's, it's really easy to forget the other kind of quadrants of players that do exist and their relationship to the game and how, how different that can be. And I know... I've heard of it. I don't know the exact terms, but I know, I think my LGS owner t- um, uh, was, was saying about the way uh, Wizards will categorize your customer base, you know, like there's, there are the invested players and I, I can't remember if that's the actual word for them. And there is that one in the middle, like you say, or there's the onboard t- type player. Mm-hmm. And again, there may be more or less, I can't remember the exact breakdown, but it was interesting to think about it breaking, they were breaking customers down into their engagement level with the game, of course, and, and um, consequently the store for sure but that that's the kind of thing that i think it's always really healthy to remember that we're not the only type of player in this game and and it doesn't do any good to close it off and as if we're the only ones that exist and to the point even where sometimes i know i don't read out every card on the podcast but it's easy to forget that like you know some people might not know what the hell a, a green sun zenith is you know it's easy to assume and and it's like or like I think, like you said, too, the welcoming aspect of it. I'm always, I always remember a time when I was getting into the game and I was kind of, there is that sensation too. There was a point in the road I probably could have been like, this isn't for me. And and that is, it's that point where you're met with, you know, if you're jumping into a pool of basically, uh, you know, a proverbial pool, but a, uh, a a kind of environment with a lot of those invested players, it, it, it sometimes can come off as very, very intense. And like you can bounce right off. You're like, whoa, man! Like this is yeah. I I 100% agree with that. And I, if we can later in the show, let's let's get back to this subtopic. But I have a question for you in regards to uni- yeah, yeah, universes yeah. beyond. If that's okay, um, I probably have the same question listed. <laughs> maybe. Oh, it no probably friend. actually is. I'm probably. <laughs> Uh, what IPs yeah, would yeah. you like to see in oh, introduced? Oh, we're the same person, Max. <laughs> so, well, I'm looking at the was, thing you sent me. The... I just kind of put the two dots together. So look at that. I love it because that was the th- the natural progression for me in the thought experiments. Like, I'm interested to hear now, and it's kind of a nice, fun profile test. It's like see what people would think. Like because, like, I mean, we talk about the sanctity of magic. You know that some people feel is being harmed. Like I don't, I'm not too sure. Like I think I honestly do see magic is that thing of it is the multiverse. It could theoretically feature anything, and that's kind of the 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 beauty of the design in a way. And I think they they did a good job to like set that from the start because then they can design anything into it essentially, and it can make narrative sense more or less. But there are definitely those things that are feel. You know, like, quote-unquote, closer to maybe what magic is traditionally about. And like we say, the Lord of the Rings one kind of matches up pretty pretty closely. Right. With original, like, D&D type stuff and, of course, that D&D set. And, and for me, maybe it is, you know, I would probably accept most things. But there's some that would be like, oh, that just feels like a like, nice fit. Like, Not almost go go for something like dark, the Dark Crystal. like. <laughs> and so, I, I know that's a bit abstract and weird, but yeah. So do you have like a, like a top five list? Like if you had your way, these are the, the things I would like to see in Magic? Because I, well, I don't know if I, I have I five, I but I definitely know yeah, I have my higher priority properties, I think is what I would say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, Lord of the Rings actually is one I, I kind of, but, I, I just feel like will gel it, well it, anyway, and I like it. But yeah, Dark Crystal is probably just another one. Are you So are you talking original Dark Crystal the movie or the Netflix 
adaptation prequel? Uh, all in one because okay. I do see them all as a uh, a connected thing. But yeah, it's it's. I mean, you. I don't know how much you could do with that, but I, I really like the world, the atmosphere, and what it stands for. Yeah, and, and um, you know, there's. God, there's even like a little bit of Kithkin in like mm-hmm. the creatures, you know. Totally. <laughs> the Skeksis look like they, uh, I, what was the, the Modern Horizons bird? I can't remember what it was called. It's a common, it sacrificed a thing when it came in. That is the most Skeksis it, looking it, thing I've ever seen on it. It, it like, definitely Whoa. is. I also think the, uh, the, the, the crow that you can cast for two less that has Death Touch also looks super Skeksis. That was in like. Oh, Bone, bone, bone Picker, I Yeah, think Bone Picker. That's exactly yeah. what I'm thinking of. You're right. I was, that vulture. I was yeah. literally picturing Dana's Glistalist in my head right now, trying to figure out what card that was. Yeah, and it's it's a type of thing too. That's like uh, Dark Crystal for me is something that's very. I love it because it doesn't hold back from being quite real and depressing, and in, in you know, right in a way it, that like it hits the it's, entire it's, spectrum. I don't know. It's it's not gonna. Yeah, it's not going to sugarcoat things. And, like, for, to that end, I think there's almost a little bit of, like, new phyrexia to it yep. and that kind of stuff. You could get pretty dark with the, the, the subject matter. But, I mean, I'll chime in if I think of any others. Okay. But like, I don't know. I'm interested to hear yours, actually. Oh, I have. I So, this is funny. I was talking with my roommate before, <laughs> top five. before you uh, messaged me saying, hey, whenever you're ready. And I was reviewing the, the discussion points and stuff. So, we were talking about... I was explaining universes beyond to him because he's he plays magic, but he's not he's not an invested player. I would put him at the kitchen table level. Yeah, yeah. Um, so like the first one I and I've said this on on our show. I've said this on Commander at Populum. The minute a Power Rangers uh, IP gets brought Ooh. into Magic, uh, and fingers crossed, it's the original Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. So your Tyrannosaurus, Dragonzord. Oh, yeah. Tiger Zord, so I would go into yeah, diamond see, outfits. Yeah, yeah. I, the original Super Sentai uh, Ryusu <laughs> Ranger for those uh, uh, Asian uh, uh, listeners out there. Um, that would be instantly. That's the number one on my list. Like we were actually talking, and I'm like, I would love not maybe a commander set or even a, a set proper, but a secret lair drop in this universe beyond thing where you could either you could order. All six rangers, so your green ranger is actually going to be a transform creature to be green or white. And each mm-hmm. each secret lair is going to come with your ranger, their weapon, and their zord. And Oh, I was thinking, how do you do zords? Is it like vehicles, vehicles that meld together yep. like a big they meld together like a big exodia? Exactly. Or so like and then this is right. how you this is how you sell the drop, so all six combined. If you buy the drop, you get extra cards you get a zordon which is a five color legendary creature so you can run yeah, all your range that this. I love you can this. run all your rangers in your in your deck and zordon has three conditions on him at the beginning of your upkeep if you control all f- five rangers so your red blue yellow pink black green and or white you win the game if you oh, control I love that. If you control all six zords, you win the game. <laughs> those are those are his two conditions. Oh, yeah. All their weapons I'm really keen for this. All their weapons would combine into a, a different artifact that you would essentially put onto the the attached creature. And then all the zords would have crew of one but then there would be some new mechanically unique ability to these cards that like vehicle meld where if you can if you have all all five all six zords you can crew six 
and you sacrifice all the vehicles to make the Megazord. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I adore this, and I also adore that, like, I think I think some of these characters actually would fit, I, I often, you know, this is completely subjective, but I think it would fit even better than, uh, because this is like a fantastical element to them, so I think that they'd fit even a little, little bit better than, like, say, Walking Dead as an IP. So I think with that, with that, with that like, um, precedent set, I don't think anything's off the table in For a sure. kind of cool way. And so, like, it becomes a creative kind of... Uh, you know that the doors are open really and like i'm just thinking now like you you were just talking about pretty much the heroes here imagine some of the villains and like and that would be the real anti-hero thing because yeah. everyone's running the five color thing and like oh he's super hipster running the uh you know the 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 i actually don't know all the names of the uh the villains but i remember them like, fondly from the original series and then i know i would be rocking like alpha five exactly. as <laughs> like some weird artifact commander like it'd be that, the best. that would I be that would be awesome so yeah power rangers and it also helps that that's a hasbro franchise so that could easily be in the paradigm oh, that yeah. they're actually looking at at headquarters for all i know you know yeah yeah especially with the reboot of the, of the first, movie um, coming you know down in a couple years so i i would oh, not be surprised <laughs> i would not be surprised before 2030 so yes i'm giving myself a decade yeah we see a power interest tie-in with magic because of the hasbro connection yeah, and exactly. their their primary and, and colors, I, I, it makes I, I, sense. It's super easy. It's right there. Oh, wow. I didn't even think of that. Yeah, no, totally. It just melds in so well. We can already see what the cards look like ha- in a way. But uh, Watsy, like, hire me for six months. I'll help. I'll make this for you. Me and <laughs> exactly. Davey. Me and Davey will exactly. knock this out of the park. Oh, that's what it was. I'm like, who was talking about Power Rangers? Like, just was <laughs> was absolutely on board. And it was like, we had this conversation. It was Davey, exactly. So, um, yeah, big love, Davey. So... Oh, that's that's so rad. And I remember so that whole thing that the first uh, hypothesis after The Walking Dead was people just going speculating, going, well, which other fran- franchises the Hasbro have access to? And these could be the next ones. And of course, like, well, Power Rangers are pretty darn close, isn't it? So there we go. Like, that could happen. So yeah. Exactly. Anyway. Um, um, otherwise, like some of my other ones would be like, I would love to see a Marvel tie-in somehow. I don't think that'll ever happen. Of course. Yeah. But like, I would love to see like an Avengers and anti-avengers you know yeah. commander decks even you know i i don't think it's out of the realm of possibility but i i i, be, I reckon they would see that as like the everest of like crossovers if they could do it and um you know it'd be massive yeah. of course um another um, another f- big uh favorite franchise of mine is gravity falls the the disney tv show um okay it's it's kind of like a, it has a twins pe- twin peak type vibe mystery all right, uh, to you it. got me there now. <laughs> um, it, it's super good for a children's TV show. I think there's way more adult aspects to it. Like I, I, True. I rewatch it all the time. It's so it just hooks you. It's it's really good. Um, and yeah, and the final franchise. I feel like I would be remiss to say if a Borderlands and Magic the Gathering hookup <laughs> happened, yeah. I would. You could just here's my bank account. Just take what you want, and I'll take all take the cards. It. Oh, I love it! Yeah, I knew that one had to be there, and I'm, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll dive into it a little bit oh, when we get to profile questions for as sure. well. But um, I, I know there's 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 a one thing I probably should have also added to your introduction. It's uh the the, the Borderlands kind of uh, creds there. So um, <laughs> oh, I did think of I I thought of two others actually, okay. and they're kind of 
interrelated in a little while because one influenced the other so heavily. But anything Dark Souls slash Berserk yep. uh, is an easy one. And again, I'm going like I know I'm going for the things that are probably a, a lot easier to kind of just put into that. that well, like we said, uh, that magic, magic kind of flavor. Yeah, like yeah. Dark Souls. But then Dark Souls screams in a strad. Like that. That'd oh, be, yeah, that'd totally, be perfect. Totally. Like. Oh, that one also, um, yeah, Bloodborne does as well. That does that very easily. And I remember uh, Shadows Over Innistrad was one of the first sets I kind of got into. And it's, okay. that was, I remember going, whoa, whoa, I'm playing Bloodborne and this feels exactly the same. The Gothic horror, it's amazing. And kind of doing what the game was doing at the same time, which is, you know, it's not, uh, I think that thing is there too. It's, everything is derived from something else anyway. It's not about, you know, the most original idea, of course. Like everything uh, borrows from everything else anyway. So, um, I was going to say too, uh, something that's really helped, I think is like conditioning for, you know, when you say about gravity falls, I see that style might, and, and maybe a few years ago, a few of us might be like, what, that's not imagine, you know, that would never work in magic. That's, that's silly. You know, the realm of weird proxies and stuff It's like, no, but that's the thing. This game is self-expression. Uh, and there's things like, I, I do have to give credit to some of the, the, you know, what I think the secret layers have done for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, promoting types of art and and going not everything I, has to be the same aesthetic whatever and then i'm just thinking of the uh the ooze one you know and that, yes. that set a massive precedent going we could do anything in this cartoon realm and it's completely cool and so like that's you bring up a great point and like i i'm a huge advocate of not every product is for every person whether if you're the most invested yeah. player ever or the most i buy a pack when i'm at target player you know what i mean like mm. you don't you don't need to buy everything that Wizards releases. Like that's true with every that's right. everything in the world, to be honest. Um but for some reason the the community kind of thinks that, well, here's another product, we have to buy it. Well, no, you don't. Um mm. and I'm I'll be the first to admit I've never bought a secret lair in my entire life until the the yeah. the black is magic. I will be buying a couple of those. Uh for, yeah, I remember you hearing you say that, and that made sense. I was for, like, yeah, that, that probably would have been the one. And I mean, I, my you've probably heard us say, but we we just can't really get them that yeah, easily in Australia. So I don't. I exactly. I'll wait for someone else to buy them. Maybe buy some singles. But yeah, same. Like deal. a, it's the cards in it. I I either play or want fancier versions of. Mm-hmm. B, it's a it's a organization I already support in my personal life. Like I support that charity. Yeah. So if I can double dip essentially by getting some magic cards that I want slash want to upgrade, yeah. need for an upgrade in a deck and support that charity on top of what I already already do. I'm all for it. Yeah. Like why not? And exactly like there have been secret layers that I have almost bid on. Like the, the stargazing set was gorgeous, but it's like, I don't really run any of the gods. Like I don't, yeah, I don't yeah. need to upgrade. Like that's kind of where I look at these from personally. My side is, do how many of these cards in whatever secret layer is out? You know, they just did that big six set, six of them like two weeks ago. I'm like, well, I don't really run any of the any of those ones that were in the Valentine's Day one. I really don't run mm. any of the like the basic lands, although they were gorgeous. As a commander player, I need ten of each of those basic lands, not one of each in the cool metal art. You know, so like. It, it again comes down to, and I think this ties back into the universes beyond thing. Not every IP or not every unique thing they do with a secret layer is going to be for you, the individual. I said it already yeah. on the show. I will probably not buy any of that Lord of the Rings stuff unless it does something specifically for the decks I play. But yeah, yeah, that's right. But 
I'll probably get the Warhammer stuff because I'm somewhat familiar with that universe and their commander decks. So there's going to be unique stuff for us, the commander players. Yeah, and I, I think I'm even like a little bit excited to learn about some Warhammer stuff. And I know because I think uh, there's a point uh peter made a couple of weeks ago it's like and he keeps making i keep thinking about it but it's like hearing people talk passionately about something even if you're not into it is is one of those joys in life and it's it's worth like latching onto and it's like i have friends that talk about what painting warhammer uh you know mini yeah. figs does for them and i and then what they love about it's- you know uh they they kind of went through their own uh you know they've told me little stories a bit like someone might tell you about the problems with magic you know they might tell you a little bit of the history of like what happened with warhammer and the game and how it changed and everything but at the end of the day it's like hearing someone passionately talk about you know bits of i'm like i'm really interested for sure and and maybe that now this is a conduit for me to find out in in the reverse order like a little bit more about warhammer because it's in the in the kind of lens of my game so that's an interesting way to look at it too and it's like but again, it's not for like I'm. I'm not going to relook at Walking Dead per se because right. you know it's a magic card now. But it's like I think everything's you know kind of worth assessing separately and, and going. I'll oh, see there, but maybe it's not for me. And and then like you said, I think there's a lot of people in the game anyway that do attack the game with a, a collector's mentality, which is like got to catch them all literally. <laughs> uh, which was probably a lot more achievable a few years ago, and these days I think they're the hey, they're cool. the voices you'll hear when it's like there's too much product, and it's like, well, you don't have to get it all. Like it is, yeah. But some people, and it's and not to detract them at all because it's a very valid way to look at the game. I do want to collect it all. Exactly, it just gets more cost prohibitive, of course, you know. And <laughs> and there is a there is a joy to having all of something and like collecting all the set of something. But if they're gonna you know make that much that that bar gets so much higher and i can understand where that would be a little bit unnerving you just like can't keep up and there's no way <laughs> for sure yeah um i love it um there was there was a little point well you touched on there um in in that uh the way you brew i think is always something that's very interesting and it's uh, i mean as we jam right into some of these main points as I said, it's always organic. We'll just we'll talk about what we need to talk about and just have fun while we do it. But um, for sure, there, there's a first kind of p- point I definitely want to lean on and, and kind of like looking at um, like this is your time, Max, absolutely, and this is why we want to showcase you. You're a you're a fascinating character in the community, and you've got great views. And and I mean, I think everyone does, and it's worth worth just you know seeing seeing everyone's perspectives on things. But um, you're a fascinating brewer. I, I was about to say brewer, but it's not even that. It's that. You, I think you even talked to, uh, did you uh, label yourself a tinkerer more than anything, more than a brewer when it comes down to making commander decks, which I think is a, a nice alternative take when we talk about different players, you know, approaching the game different ways. And I'm probably guilty of cultivating all the type of people around me and, and like getting really buzzed about the ones that are brewing 50 decks a week and, and I'm getting, that's what really appeals to me, but that's not everyone, you know? That- and And so I don't know. That's 100% correct, and I am a tinkerer. I don't like... Mm. I really don't like coming up from something... Coming up with a deck from scratch. Um, because it's just not how I want to kind of spend my time. Like, magic is a hobby of mm. mine, but it's not my hobby. Like, it's not my number one hobby. Um, mm. So when it comes to, like, building decks, I I like to start with a template. And back when... Back in the day, people would call this net decking, essentially, even for EDH. Like, what do you mean you took that deck list off of, you know, tapped out? Well, I took it as an idea, and I changed 70% of it because 
I know how my meta plays, essentially. So what I like to do when I... So, like, I do have a bunch of decks that I've kind of homebrewed. So, like, Dragonlord Jamoka is a deck I'm known for because it's green-white flying tribal. Every every creature Mm. in the deck has flying on it on its text somewhere so like in an earlier version magus of the moat was in there because it said creatures without flying can't attack (laughs) perfect bring that up to current version version probably 10.5 or whatever um i run Audric lunark marshall because he has that's the keyword soup one so as long as anything else i have has flying he has flying on top of the other yeah, keywords that, that I run right. in the deck. <laughs> so I just say he <laughs> has flying technically because everything else in the deck does. <laughs> um, There's a justification, I think. And it's like they're the fun ones too when you start to really uh, hone down a deck where you, you're putting these restrictions on it. It's like, yeah. where can you find the ones that, that exist outside of that initial search? Right. But technically still match the, uh, the the kind of conditions you're putting on it. Exactly. So, like, I have Dramoka, and I and I kind of... I hand-brewed Brago King Eternal, and he was probably my more high-end power deck. It has literally two win conditions, so the game is going to go forever if you let me do my thing. And I make... Sh- that's, the, yep. that's the rule zero conversation, is if you can't stop Brago and you let me do Brago things and I don't have my combos in hand, this is going to be a two and a half hour game because I'm going to have to it's dig. I'm going to have to dig for an approach. Or I'm going to have to dig for the Strionic Resonator Strip Mine Sun Titan combo, you know, um, mm. stuff like that. Um, so, but some of my other decks in my stable, um, such as like Tuvasa the Sunlit, I took that off of a, a YouTube content creator's you know, here is my $30 build. And I took that deck list. I ordered the deck list, except for, you know, Tuvasa, because I had one. Um, mm. Got all the cards in, and by the time I went through the cards I ordered, plus the cards in my binder, it was no longer that $30 deck list, because I did have yeah. a Sylvan library. And this was two years ago when it wasn't $100. It was $20 or whatever. But still, like... I had all of this, all of these more powerful enchantments that I could easily justify the tinkering. Like, well, the vows aren't any good when you have all the the Lorwyn block multicolor enchantments. You know, if the creature is green and white, it gets plus one, plus one for each color and indestructible and vigilance or, you know, shield of the oversoul, shield of the overbearing, all of those. You know, I had all those, Mm-mm. I had all those great auras which are better than the vows for the same yeah. mana cost. So like I am definitely one of those people when I say tinker, I don't I don't look at Keldheim and be like, I want to build four of these legendary creatures. I look at those and be like, I'm gonna see those a lot. Do my decks yeah, hold yeah. up against those? Like I look at it as mm. like a defensive stance almost. Then I look at Keldheim and say, okay. For Jermoka, I know the creatures have to have flying, and they have to be in green-white. <laughs> well, unfortunately, in Keldheim, I had, like, three new creatures I had I could play with uh, that fit where I wanted them in Jermoka. There were way more angels than the three I chose. Um, yeah. So, like, a, a great example is uh, Redain, God of the Worthy. This is the legendary creature god, flying vigilance. Oh! 
Oh, yeah. Snowlands, your I've opponents. I've got to uh, showcase ones of these. I've yeah. got to use them for something. Yeah, you know, I love this one. Snowlands, and your opponent's control enter tapped, and non-creature spells your opponent's cast with CMC four or greater cost two more to cast. And then the, the reverse side is the shield. Uh, it essentially is worship. Prevent If a damage mm-hmm. is done to you, prevent one of it. Or if a spell is cast that targets something you own, counter it unless they pay one. For the longest time, I was running Angel of Jubilation from Avacyn Restored. One triple white. Uh, it's a 3-3 three, three flyer that gives all other non-black creatures you control plus one plus one. So cool, it's a lord in my deck. But it had a mm-hmm. it had a stacks element that I think is actually worse than Redain or the shield itself, where it said players can't sacrifice creatures or pay life. Sacrifice permanents or pay life to activate spells or cast or activate abilities or I cast spells. I don't fully hate that one. That's like the Yashan ability, right? Right. Uh, it, and it's like it's it's going to trip a few people up because they're going to forget about it. And like, so oh, ah, and it's like this this is a fair game. For the longest time, when I was playing in person at my LGS, it wasn't a big deal because nobody had a bunch of fetch lands or you know sacrifice effects. That just wasn't the meta. But mm. nasty COVID hits, and we all move to this online stuff, which is actually a blessing in and disguise. Be- <laughs> um, it was, and it, the world became our uh, playgroup, and we're like, exactly. We're, now I run- we're not playing our metas anymore. <laughs> now I run into those people that I put my money into my land base, and the rest of my deck is a is a six. You know, my land base looks like a ten. Yeah. The rest of the deck looks like a five. It averages at a six. So, like, that mm-hmm. that card has actually shut down a lot of people that I play with in the Commander Central community. So, it's like, geez, that's that's made for not fun. It's It, it got to the point where it's like, I don't want to cast this because I'm going to hose that person's commander, that person's mana base at, the, at this point in time, and something <laughs> else. So, I swapped it for Raideen. I I've only cast her a couple times, but it hasn't been an issue because... I don't think everybody's swapped over to completely Snowlands yet and stuff like that. So, worst case, I'm going to run up against a monocolor deck with all Snowlands. This is one card in 99 I may draw. It's going to happen. I don't feel bad about that. But when the other creature could shut down multiple people for multiple turns, it just, it turned into unfun games. No, that's fair too, and and like you say, it's it, that can really be amplified in if if you are seeing the same styles of decks too, that kind of thing. And um, yeah, it's it's I think that one's always a uh, a good one to you know so like you know just just investigate how how each card's going in your deck and go oh well does it feel great when I do it and actually I, maybe I have more adverse you know maybe it does actually help help the game but like or help me win or put me in a better position but it's like it's having adverse reactions and i'm actually not enjoying playing it personally when when it has that like i almost like have to apologize when i play it so that's no maybe i don't want to play that thing so no fair fair and i was surprised i mean it's the type of effect too i i would be like oh it's if, if that's what my deck is kind of doing i've got an inia's hate hate birds deck that mm-hmm. i haven't actually been able to play too much because Gonna make sure everyone's got their uh, stack of infinity tokens like handed <laughs> and ready to exchange some permanents. But uh, the same kind of thing. It's like I and we've we've talked about in the past, like hard stacks, soft stacks, that kind of stuff. And and that it's you know as long as the environment's right, exactly, you can go for that kind of stuff. But yeah, and I, I kind of like Yashan when Yashan was a little bit that way. That it felt like it was almost just 
uh, kind of punishing uh, some some you know people trying to get too much value out of things, mm-hmm. but sometimes it can hit hit some things like you say. It's like an evolving wilds or something like oh I don't really want to tag that, do I? You know exactly that through. So yeah, yeah. I mean, no, that's fair for sure. But I, I want to touch on too that I, I mean. I think you say tinkering, but I think tinkering is absolutely a, uh, you know, it's it's kind of brewing in a microcosm in a, in a way anyway, because you are you're you're considering cards, uh, you know, and 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 looking at them for also self expression, that kind of thing as well, and and for what they mean to you. So it's I never mean to like, you know, I'll, I'll never detract on um, anyone's kind of view of how they kind of look at the game creatively and, and like you're any less than uh, doing something like, you know, someone that's brewing 50 decks a week or whatever, but it's just everyone, everyone picks up something differently and that's fascinating. 100% agree there. Like I, I know a bunch of our community are the people that brew 20, 50 decks a week and paper, paper three of them. You know what I mean? And, you know, I sit there and be like, I'll look at your list and I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm the type of person. And I think, if I were to ever be a competitive player, I would totally be a spike. I think in my soul, mm-hmm. in like the in the little bit of the soul I have, because I am a scumbag <laughs> and I am a spike. Like I think that is my my true nature of a player. Like if I had my way, I would play CEDH. Like if I didn't have a budget, I didn't mm-hmm. have some moral objections against some things within the game, I would be a CDH player, spike all the way. Um. Mm. So, like, I and that's don't give me. I was like, going to say that's the I, beauty of the game. We 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 can shift it to um be about winning too. Like you well, know, without maybe we can get there later. Exclusive CDH. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, I build like when I walk into a pod, whether I'm playing with strangers or I'm playing with two people I know and a new person, I I build my decks to walk in to the deck the game wanting to win, like and. winning is not important i will be the first like i love to lose because that's what you're never going to win every game of commander because you don't want to be that person is my opinion that's right but i also do want to win but i'm also not looking to win on turn four maybe not even turn 10 with some of my decks like dromoka regna and krav psy master thopterist those are long-term games like i want i want 12 15 turns because I'm going to probably sandbag through most of that game and then come up <laughs> with all my resources because everybody else has been fighting each other and win those games. But then you kind of shift the... You turn a hard 90 degrees, and if you need to play a game in 45 minutes, I'm going to bust out two Vasas of Sunlit because I can win... I can yeah. I can take down a four-player pod on turn six sometimes. Like, granted, that's Magical Christmas Land has probably only happened twice in the four years I've had that deck built. But, like, I can kill a pod on turn six if the the stars align and the moons of Endor align and, you know, my Millennium Falcon <laughs> shoots through the, the stars. But it can happen. It's a fast deck. But it's also... Mm. I build defensively so Tuvasa can win fast. But it can stay till turn 15 if you really want it to. Like, I can... Mm, I'll sit there and, and take my time and get chip damage in if it means I'm no longer the target because I am the Voltron player. Like, this is the guy that came mm. prepared to, you know, have a have a 7-7 seven, seven commander on turn 4, turn 5. You know, that's a two-turn, three-turn clock for most players. Mm. 
Now, I was, I was going to say too, it's like it's it's actually been a uh, a good um, kind of mode to start to operate in, or like or think about anyway, like having the type of deck and also the situation too, but that you can change gears a little bit and go, oh, we need to get a forty-five minute game done, kind of thing. And as long as everyone's on the same page, and I, I as as you've you've kind of established, you're very good at having that rule zero discussion anyway, which is. Guys, this is what we're going to be doing. Like, as in, I we probably want a quicker game um, for for X Y Z reasons. Um, cool if I bust out this. Uh, it's not hyper, but you know we're going to try and finish the game a bit quicker. And as long as those expectations are the same, that's absolutely uh, the correlation between that and the quality of game. Uh, you know, absolutely increases kind of thing. So, like, it's it's quality of game is what that term I keep going back to. Like you say, it can be longer uh as as long as like, you're there for the same reason but it's all stuff we've all heard before of course but um yeah I, uh I, i've got an obosh deck that kind of just aims to operate you know the same not, not hyper competitively but just faster and i'll usually go crash and burning with it you know that's the fun part that, but it's like exactly it's a that, game that is <laughs> the fun of those type of decks like i know if i'm playing two boss it's either gonna be a fast game i'm gonna die halfway through or i'm gonna make it to the end game because i'm gonna i'm gonna kamikaze Every turn I can. Like, yeah. I want Tuvas out on exactly. turn three. I want her being a a 3-3 three, three or a 4-4 four, four by turn three. You know, it's just how I play the deck. And, you know, it's funny. I always think mm. to, to Zach Taylor from Commander Social. He has his... I, yeah. I, I build at 100% and play at, you know, 50%. So I'm like a 75% player. That's his 75% <laughs> theory. I'm like... You 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 can't ever tell that to Jason Alt because he's gonna no no <laughs> like I know Jason pretty well I've interacted with him quite a bit through Magic Fest Vegas yeah. and whatnot through EDH Rec but like never ask him if you ask him what he thinks the seventy five percent theory is he's gonna kick it back to you and be like what do you think it is and he's just gonna sit there and smirk yeah, at you yeah. for twenty minutes exactly. And, but uh, like, yeah, big respect to Jason. He was our first ever uh, guest on the show, and I was like, "Wow, I've listened to this stuff for years. I wonder how I talk about this seventy-five percent thing." It was, he it was very, is very funny. an amazing human being, and I consider him one of my friends. And I wish I got to play magic more with him. But he's one of the the beer gurus I go to when I'm looking for oh yeah new yeah. unique brews to try. Love it. All right. Um. So let's let's take a sidecar for a second and tell us what you. You're, I mean, we got there. We got. Th- we what talked beer about beer drinking today. I yeah, exactly exactly. What what beer are we drinking today, Max? Today I am drinking uh an IPA by Toppling Goliath out of Decorah, Iowa, called King Sue. So it's technically a double IPA, but it's yeah been one of my recent favorites. It's a somewhat local brewery. Decorah, Iowa is probably seven to eight hours away from eau claire wisconsin so like it's a day it's a weekend trip but like once things are safe and or i'm vaccinated and it's safe i totally plan on taking a a weekend trip down there because it's a it's a it's a fun drive we drove through it i've been there for work we kind of drove through iowa to go to magic fest kansas city last year or i guess two years ago at this point um so like Iowa's flat, it's full of corn, but like it's Iowa, it's fine. Like there's worse places in the US, I'll admit no, that. No one goes full corn. And I, I kinda am somewhat That's biased because like my mom's side of the family is all from Iowa, so I kinda have to be nice. Um Yeah, yeah. But like it's one of my my recent favorite beers. Um 
I'm my number one beer brand to go to is Voodoo Ranger. It's a New Belgium offshoot. So New Belgium makes beers like Fat Tire. Um, that's we I'm, get those here. Yeah. So Voodoo Ranger is yeah, and some of our specialist places actually. Yeah, we do actually. Yeah. So like New Belgium, New Belgium made an IPA. It went really well, but they essentially off-branded it into the Voodoo Ranger line. Which is a cool mascot. It's like a skeleton mascot in a bomber cap. And it's just, they make like eight different IPAs all year long. And they're just right up my alley. Uh, I have a tweet out yeah. there where I rank all my Voodoo Ranger beers. And the ironically, and funny to say, as of this morning, uh, my time, the community manager for New Belgium and Voodoo Ranger followed me back on Twitter today. <laughs> oh. So, done it. <laughs> so we're working on it. Commander Central will eventually be sponsored by Voodoo Ranger. Beautiful. Oh, that's so good. And it's it's I've I've really enjoyed. There's actually a weird um, crossover with some of the yeah, absolute beer nerds that I've enjoyed uh, talking to with with Magic. And then it's also you guys live in the heartland of beer. Like it's, yeah, you, you probably know you've you've seen a little bit of uh, Australia, and it's just like we it's it's a very new thing, craft. And it's like I mean, last ten years, but. Uh, I, I would look at a lot of stuff uh, you guys have there pretty uh, readily as as quite exotic and that kind of thing. So it's um, yeah, it's it, it is nice still to see some of those like appear, like the Voodoo Ranger. I know that appears in in a couple of our really specialist bottle shops and and really celebrated too. It's like they might get one keg in, and it's not. It's the whole thing. It's like if you do anything for pure money, why would you ever do that? Because it's right. inefficient to get it one one keg over and it's like whatever. But like the places we love, it's like, no, we care about it and we'll go to great lengths to get some really cool stuff here and like we'll celebrate it and we'll discuss it and it's a lot of fun. And, you know, I think that's that that kind of extends to anything. It's like you, you can't be passionate about something. Like, I don't know. It's, it's yeah, it's kind of like what's what's the point? <laughs> exactly. And, you know, beer, I honestly, I I said earlier in the show, magic is not my number one hobby. It's probably number mm. three in my top three, and and beer is number two. <laughs> like, my dream job would be yeah. working for a brewery, whether as like a social media advocate or, like, mm. I don't want to be a brewmaster. Like, I would work in I would work in their packaging and stuff like that, but like, I would want to be like in social media or sales because like I just I love beer. Yeah. I like that it brings people together. Whether you like IPAs that- or you like stouts or you like ales. Somehow you can get a group of people together to agree on something, whether it's a drink or an idea, and you can sit there and talk about it or play a card game, Mm. whether it's Magic the Gathering or Cribbage or Hearts, while sitting there and enjoying a a beer made by your favorite brewery. Like, what's more get to know everybody than that? Yeah, and and the the point I see is, like, someone cared about this. And and that's the thing, too. I like your point there that, like, ideally it'd be working for something that kind of situation where your passion for what it's about naturally fills a lot of gaps in what you have to do in the job you have to it's not the job because you are just you're, you're thriving off the passion kind of thing and it's why I, I imagine we do what we do in in kind of our side lives that kind of thing as well so it's it's just that's the dream and i i my bucket list was to i'm a graphic designer but i i wanted to design a beer nice and i had that for a long time and I got to do it a few years ago. I got to do one for Hobart Brewing Co. And it was, um, uh, what was it, in, which is one of the newer breweries, but now probably the main one, one of the main ones in, in Tasmania. Mm-hmm. Oh, in Hobart, sorry. 
And um, that was huge. And it's like to get to meet them, know what they're about. They're not going to go the cheapest ingredients because that's not what it's about. No. You, get, you use all this amazing produce you've got down there. They, they grow all their own hops down there. And it's you talk to them about what it's about and you want to you want to bottle that up, you know, pardon the pun. But like, you know, it's just you want to capture that essence and do something that does it justice. And I remember putting more hours than I needed to over time because I wanted to. And it's like, this is, this is what it's about. You, and so, you yeah. felt a connection to the product you were working for. Like... That's right. That's right. And I, I want, I keep trying to chase that in, you know, there's always going to be jobs I don't fully believe in but designing things because it's the nature of what you do. But, yeah. you know, if you can ever chase that thing where it's like you're, you're filling in all the gaps where you're not, you're, you're not even thinking about those hard decisions because it's all driven by passion. And it's like, yeah, it's, it, it's a, it's a fun way to be. It, for sure. You know, and it, it, um, we're, we're talking about beer. So like, it's funny because like a lot yeah. of the other people I'm, good friends with because of beer so jason alt you know yeah. it's so hit or miss like some people like ipas some people don't like ipas some people love stouts i don't like stouts to save my soul mm-hmm. so like for those out there an ipa is an indian pale ale it's a very hoppy beer typically it's very bitter very piney is a good way to describe that and granted, That's there's right. seven... Some, there's, sometimes grassy, but piney. Yeah, yeah. Some, but there's also, in the IPA world, there's eight different types of IPAs where the typical IPA of being hoppy and piney and grassy is the, the five out of ten. You know, you have your super mm. sweet, milk-shaky IPAs, which are more sweet with, like, the hops blended into all the, the milk juice in it and stuff like milk sugar into those ipas so like they have the the alcohol volume of an ipa but you don't taste the beer you know so we'll call that the the punch at the dorm party essentially you know Mm. you can drink them but you never realize you had four of them and then you're passed out and people are drawn on your face And then, uh, when everything anything's like easy drinking, you're like mm, a little bit suspicious. <laughs> it's like, yeah, do, right. Does it need to be? Yeah. And then, then you have more of like the imperial IPAs, which are, you know, more super hop forward, and they're strong. They're going to be your ten percent alcohol volume, mm. but you know what you're getting into. Like those are your, yeah, your your moderate to experienced level IPA connoisseurs. If you had to put a uh, a Magic the Gathering stamp on one of these, invested, you know, like, invested, I would put invested on <laughs> Imperial well, IPAs. I was, I was the old booster packs they had intermediate and expert. <laughs> That's right. Um, <laughs> otherwise, where I like to kind of fall on the scale is between the the standard IPA and the the Imperial is like the hazy IPA. Um, yeah, 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 and quite quite um, becoming quite popular in a lot of breweries. They're super popular in a lot of breweries. They're you know they they have the hoppy taste but they have a little a lot of citrus in them so the hop is more mm. of an aftertaste granted they're they're in that 8 to 9% range for ABV but they aren't as sweet as those those milkshake IPAs where you can drink a six pack of them or super mm. strong like those imperials where you just taste all the hops mm. i think that's the interesting part that's there too it's beer um, knowledge uh, mic drop i'm good <laughs> you mentioned there before i love to make kind of analogies to things but it is totally true and it's like the beer thing too people can have the tendency to go you don't like this oh what are you talking about you know and and i get that way you know some people with music too but i'd like to think (laughs) most people kind of 
appreciate that everyone's like has an appreciation of different things these days and 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 finds that joy sometimes of even bridging that gap oh yeah i know you're not an ipa drinker but i like try this out and that's personally me i'm not i'm not traditionally an ipa drinker but it's you know i like i hate to say it but if it's bigger alcohol like it's a bigger like a 10 percent abv or something like that's the kind of backbone i like so i'll have an imperial and i enjoy that but it's usually one and it's never more than that because it's just i don't know a lot kind of a big hop forward thing is not really all like always what I'm after unless it's got the backbone of malt, i.e. you're just a mega, mega, mega stout. Yeah. So um and, and that's usually what I go for kind of thing. But it's the fact that like you can have those conversations and go, I know you don't usually play Boros, but let's let's have a fun thing here. <laughs> well, I know you're not usually into like forty K, like uh but, you know, let's try it out. guess what? There's a little magic crossover. Yeah, exactly. Let's not like hassle you for not liking something because everyone is different like and that's that's the beauty of it all kind of thing that's so, the fun about being um, an individual you can like your own stuff yeah <laughs> exactly exactly um there was a beer there actually uh oh no well staying on ipas for a hot second okay there is an ipa that that has made it to my like top five beers of all time oh. and i'll go something more local yeah and it's it's a special one for me because i remember having one before i got married the night before i'm like yep that was excellent um it's called uh yeasty boys is the brewery in there in new zealand and they make a beer called Gunamata, which is funny because I still don't know why they called it that because it's a beach which is less than a kilometer from where I grew up and um, it's not in New Zealand, it's in Australia and it's in Victoria. So, um, and it's also, it's a surf beach we, we surf a lot at, but um, it's it's also known for having like a, a sewage outlet as well. Like, and so it's like, this is a strange thing to do. But to throw another weird caveat, and I don't know if you'll be able to gel all these together because I sure as hell can't and I know half of these what what kind of the context are going for but so there's those two factors it's a New Zealand brewery calling it a beach from you know my my area where I grew up in uh, (laughs) south of Melbourne and uh and then it's an Earl Grey IPA so yeah I I, first thought I'm like this will taste like crap and I'm like no this tastes amazing it's floral it's like lavender it's like yeah. yeah it's 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 a weird one. <laughs> I, so I, I pulled up. I so I use an app on my phone called Untapped, not like the deck the building one, yeah. website. Um, <laughs> it's all about beer. See, Sorry, folks. Uh, follow me. Message me. I, I'll I'll friend you. Uh, you can follow my adventures. <laughs> you can earn achievements. It's fun. Like I earn badges all the time. Like you're yeah. level twenty two in IPAs in America. Like sweet. <laughs> um, yeah. So, it's, so it's, I, it's gamifying experiences yeah, is fun. I, yeah. I pulled up this beer, Gunamata from Yeasty Boys. It's a 6.5 ABV. It's a spiced yes. slash herbed beer is what they label it as. But yeah, for, yeah that's true. first that's true. line in the in the details, a tea-leafed IPA, which I'm all for because... There's, I, and I thought, it t- I thought it'd taste terrible. I so, was like, no, I really love this. <laughs> I, I know exactly your thought process because there's a brewery here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, that's local to Eau Claire, that's called The Brewing Project, and they spell project with a J-K, mm. J-K-E-T. Um, and they make an IPA, it's called Gunpowder, and they brew it with green tea leaves. <laughs> and the first time I ever heard mm. it, I'm like, that's going to taste terrible. I don't like green tea. <laughs> and I tasted it, I'm like, this is the best IPA I've ever had in my life. And so I drank yeah, it yeah. consistently for a very long time. And I still drink it every now and then it's just more of like a treat now i treat like that's how i act on it mm. like if i'm down at the brewery because they recently reopened with a bunch of awesome 
safety protocols due to COVID. So like when we go and visit, yeah. I'll order one because I can get a, a, a three ounce glass, you know, a part of my flight. It's perfect. You can find the four packs all over town. So it's, it, it's a great go-to, but I totally know how you feel. Beer with tea. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if I'm going to like that. And it turns out to be yeah, like your yeah, favorite, exactly. one of your favorite things. And, and that's a great message too. It's like, keep your mind open for such experiences. Cause you never know when they're going to come from for sure. So, um, yeah. So uh, the last little, so go try uh, Boros, right, yeah. everybody go keep your minds open and go well, try Boros. <laughs> I, I did two weeks ago and I'm hooked. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. a Boros convert. I, I, it's great. That, that's and, in um, my, my past. We'll get to there. <laughs> Kristen uh, helped me. She was, she was, I mean, it's great to have an absolute expert I, on Boros, but um, yeah. I oh, know. I was going to say, so uh, yeah. And, and also, well, well, Ryan actually, because I said, oh, I don't know why, but Brian Stout, on today. I was like, this is the way, and I love it. And I, I tried something different that I haven't seen as much, which is like Brian plus equipment, which uh, I'm not trying to cheat all the things that, you know. Sure, you aren't. You're equipment. in my scumbag academy. It's fine. You can admit <laughs> it. <laughs> but there's, there's, there's certain things that do make it a little bit easier to play Boris with, with equipment, of course. Like you sort of the Animus, all that stuff. You still yeah. Forge Mystic. That's fine. But there's there's a couple of cards recently that made this really hum, which is Helvar. And then I can't remember the dwarf's name, but uh, the Uncommon Dwarf from Coldheim, where it's like... The, basically the ability if an equipped creature dies it goes back to your hand i'm like well this is your card advantage in boris isn't it so i build a whole deck around it and i'm loving it That's and it's awesome. the whole thing i said before with with obosh i kind of played in a way where i'm going screech into the finish line i'm not i'm not making uh i'm playing boros i'm not making the most considered choices like we are going to be loud and brash and it's going to be huge and if I if I make a bad play to like just swing out and leave myself open, we're we're gonna enjoy it. So, I, um, and but then I forgot I forgot to put deflecting palm in, which would have saved me a game the other day because you're playing that way and you're like lose whatever, ha ha. Look, what? someone's like, oh, he's open, and you're just deflecting palm. That's Sam, so, yeah, you get you get extra credit points for not putting deflecting palm in the deck because I feel <laughs> like that's always in like the top 5 instance in a Boros deck on EDH track. So yeah, true. You get you get spice points for me if I'm going to quote CCO. You get spice calculator points. Yeah, there. yeah. And well, well that's that's something that's been massive on my radar lately and you talk about tinkering but I've been trying to anti-staple my decks a bit lately which is I, just like yeah, just find something weird to replace it with. Staple is such a weird word weird it word is. It in is. EDH because I think it has its place and doesn't has it have its place at the same time. And this is not on our outline at all, so I apologize. But I would like to kind of go down <laughs> this earworm here because audience, oh, please do audience. I I actually asked Sam a week ago, what is the record for the longest recording? <laughs> and we're halfway there, folks. <laughs> Oh yeah, we can get there, and that's the thing I, I learned with the uh, episode with Jeff. And, and <laughs> credit to Jeff, I'd never, t- I'd never talked to him awesome. in my Jeff's life. Jeff's awesome. And, nor even, nor even, I didn't even know much about MTG Lexicon then, and now it's become a big part of my life in a weird way. Um, but yeah, it's, it's. I was like, we, we can talk as long as we want, and that's the bit I never want to put a restriction on it exactly. because, like, this podcast means a lot to me personally because it is my outlet, and it's you know, I hopefully people stick along for the ride, and they have been, which has been amazing. But because it is, I'm not going to sit here and go, it has to be this, it has to be that kind of thing. Like, I'll loosely structure it. But it's the conversation that I want to celebrate, which is a lot of fun. So, so tangents, tangents, tangents. So, 
Yeah, yeah, go for it. How I feel about Boros, because I used to have a Boros deck way (laughs) way back in the day, early days of my EDH tenure. Yeah, I want to hear the dark past. This is Um, is intriguing. We'll we'll get there. I think that falls into the, like, my background and stuff, what, upon that. Um, (laughs) But, like, I view Boros kind of how we were talking about, like, Tuvasa and Voltron. You're either going to go super hard right away. Because it's Boros, yep. and that's what they technically are known for. Like, there isn't really yeah, as, a... As, maybe except for Bassandra or uh, Aria, mm-hmm. uh, Adriana, Captain of the Guard. There really isn't a, yeah, a melee, late... Right? A, yes, and the only reason I know that is because that's Dana's newest deck, and it has kicked my teeth in too many times for me to be okay <laughs> with. Um I'm glad that deck's getting respect. Oh, that command is getting respected. Yeah, apparently, tokens and that them. commander work really well together. I don't know why. Um, Dang, that is good. Yeah. Um, How can you be upset when I'm attacking everyone too? Exactly. Yeah, so, like, <laughs> there really aren't a lot of late game Boros commanders. And I've mm. I've viewed I've seen Ryan's Brian start on start arm deck. Dana used to have Brian way back in the day as well. Now his fling deck is Crash, which I think is better more often than not mm. than Bryon, but to each their own. But that's how I view... Of course. <laughs> that's how I view Boros. <laughs> is like, you're either super hard in the beginning or you you pace yourself to make sure that you're like the last one or three, one or two standing, you know, in in a three pod or something like that. Hmm. The, um, the, the one I've, I've, I've never found that balance. The, that's um... the problem. Like, I have ran... That's true, yeah. My Boros general has always been the original Tajik. Tajik Blade of the Legion, mm. with the one with Battalion, gets plus five, plus five, and it becomes indestructible. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was thinking the other one that was basically like a light Jared Carthalian, but um, that, that's an interesting one I saw well, at one point. You well, I also... Big damage board wipes, but... I also started back, like, towards the tail end of Innistrad block, original Innistrad block, is when I started mm. playing Magic. So, like... I think the first booster box I ever bought was Gate Crash, not Gate Crash, uh, Dragon's Maze, which I can't believe I'm admitting that, but whatever. Um, <laughs> so I have a lot of projects. I can tell Life everybody that right now. I have like 18 of them. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, but that deck went through the whole like, let's do the token thing. Oh, that didn't really work. Let's do the yeah. In let's do the indestructible tribal thing. Didn't really work. Um, mm. Let's do equipment that sort of worked because World Slayer exists and that's fun. Um, <laughs> you did that a total of one time. I did that a total then, uh, of one time. You are one hundred percent correct. No one invited you back. <laughs> I just had to sit a while or play something else. Okay, I was invited. I just couldn't play that deck. <laughs> but over time, it just you know that was during the I I would say the recession of Boros. If I were to put that deck mm. back together... The Boros to, Recession. <laughs> if I were to put that deck back together today, it'd probably be a really good deck because I have a Smothering Tithe and I have an Anointed Procession and I have, mm. you know, Sword of the Animist right there. Like, those three cards alone could make mm. that deck a thousand times better. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 interesting times. Like, it's... it's this, But it's, it's always like that... Boros doing different things is always fun, and I'm actually a little bit like keen to see if Lawhold has any of those in in that you know the Strixhaven thing. It's 
Is there an archaeologist commander? Is there one with, of course, the scroll chain gun we want to see? You know, that, that kind of stuff is going to be very interesting. But they've done a couple, like, to their credit, you know, the, uh, I was trying to think, what's the, um, the angel, the uncommon angel from Dominaria I thought was always quite interesting. You could do that. Uh, you could play that deck quite Oh, the one that uh, lets auras and stuff come back. Um... Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the, again, it's, there's your card advantage, almost the way I looked at it with Brian. There's you know, getting stuff back where you'd usually lose it um, is, is quite interesting. And then I think I've, I've seen a couple of, uh, I, why can't I remember her name? Um, but uh, de- decks that, that use that in a way you're using pacifism effects, like they come back because your, your removals and auras and yeah. Yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's a good one. But um, yeah, Boros, I don't know. I, I'm just keen to see where else it can go because I think, I, I think that's the thing too. It's like, yeah. A commander may do a commander thing, but there's so many ways you can take it, of course, and and that speaks to me in a way to go, let's do something alternative and have fun. Even if it doesn't happen straight away, you know, it might just form over time. Yeah, I I mean, I really, I agree with you. Like, I I hope Strixhaven takes Boros away from combat. Does that make sense? Like, Mm. yeah, of course. We've been waiting for that non-combat centric Boros commander and... We almost got there with Keldheim, but I think Strixhaven is going to be the one that we're going to get like a Boros Prowess Commander, kind of like, you know, a Minotaur mm. and Minotaur Junior that we got with Dominaria. Um, <laughs> uh, spaghetti and <laughs> Meatballs or whatever we used to call them on the show. Um, I think we're going to better, like we're going to get a, awesome. we're going to get a better version of that, I think, in Strixhaven. Yeah, I think so too. So, um, yeah, keen to see what happens there for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. That was a great little rabbit hole we went down and we're exploring Boros. We're doing that kind of stuff. I was going to put it back on the tracks of, uh, I mean, we kind of explored also your personal EDH philosophies and, and, and basically that, you know, not everyone has to be a brewer. You can be a tinkerer. You can look at different ways. I've said before too, it's, it's one that don't ever disparage people from like, just like playing a pre-con. And again, it goes back to what we're saying about everyone's in a different, uh, you know, involvement level with the game too and has a different relationship. It's like some people aren't that into it, you know, like that's fine. Or it doesn't tick the box as much as like, oh, I don't need to do that. Or that actually just seems like a lot of busy work. Can't I just play the game? Like, that's true. Maybe that's all you, you might want to do. Um, I even saw Chris Von Doom had a, uh, a great tweet the other day. Might have even been yesterday. And he was just saying that um, he's like, oh, well, turns out I, he goes, I just love to brew. Yep. Does anyone want to like, yeah, does, I mean, Go, by all means, I don't know, would anyone find value in seeing my deck lists and, you know, maybe you just play them? And it's like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, that's a good way to do it. Team up, you know, find people to make your decks. Yeah. It's like the, uh, it's the Elton John thing, you know, like it's um, <laughs> Bernie Taupin wrote the songs and Elton John performed them. Like it's, I, you know, not everyone has to do everything. I, you know? I wonder, I mean, again, I'm not a brewer, but I'm all for, like, I'll pop into our community's brewing channel in our, in our you know, our Slack and just see what people are brewing. Mm. And if I have time during my work day and someone says, hey, can you take a look at this list? I need to make cuts or I really want to cut this card, but I don't know what to put it for, cut for it. You know, I'm happy to help with that stuff because that's where I feel like I excel, like the one for one changes. So like, I'm all for those. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I the more people you can have look at your deck, is great as long as they understand what your deck is trying to do. Like, that's right. if I hand my Dragonlord Jermoka deck over to someone and say, hey, every creature in this deck has to have flying. That's like my number one condition no matter what. 
and they That's say your style guide, and yeah. then they say, "Well, you should really have an e-wit in here." I'm gonna try my best get not stuffed. to throw punch them and tell them to get out of my way. You know? Did you not listen to the brief? Yeah, exactly. Like you had one job; it, the creature has to say flying on it. Like, read the rules. Yeah. Like you're you're ejected. Game over. Get out of here. Which, like I say, is is to say it's more just to define that as like just because you're not you don't classify as a brewer doesn't mean you're not creative because exactly. I would even argue that the one-to-one changes the more the much more like I even anecdotally harder ones to do and more critical if anything and it's like they're the ones that the duration of the deck as you go on over the years like they're the the painstaking ones you're like ah oh, yeah how do I like ha- have an awareness of of the balance of this and it's like it's the type of thing we talk about a bit brewing decks but there's an implicit part of it which is like I don't look at the numbers per se as much. Uh, I know some people do. They really break down my math. That's their style, whatever. I kind of just try and have a feel and go, well, it feels like the ratios are kind of there, which seems really like I'm not very being very accurate, but I like to think I have a good touch and feel on it, you know, like that kind of thing. But when you're making those changes, sometimes artistically you're just like, yep, flip that. And I'm not, I'm not, of course, have an awareness of it enough to go, well, I'm not switching out basic lands for card, like, of course, but knowing how many of a, a certain effect are somewhere that kind of gel to the deck and how many uh, little card advantage kind of cards are there to glue the whole thing together, that kind of stuff. But they're just, those decisions are no less painstaking as you go on and, and, and they're, they're, they're so interesting, of course. And like you say, new set comes out, how many of those are switching? You're like, oh. And especially if you just want to try something out, for sure. Yeah. So what I was gonna do is uh, is kind of we talked about the dark past of you, Max, and uh, <laughs> and all, all that stuff, greatness. But um, there's, there's something I I've wanted to hear for a, a little while, and it's kind of I don't know if you ever get the chance to do these retrospectives on on Commander Central, but it's like it's probably the great role to do it right now. But like, wanted to hear your origin story of Commander Central, uh, and kind of the way you've looked at it for the last, you know, and maybe how that's changed over um, the last year or so as well. Like, you know, that's okay. a very interesting year to change con- uh, perspectives and everything. But I mean, yeah, start us off. I think with um, like, yeah, where did you get started with uh, CMDR Central? Basically, like, what were the origins? I think I think we try to retell our our origin story. Every 100 episodes. I think that's kind of been our theme. I think we did it on our 100th episode. Yeah. I think we did it on our 200th episode. And we're, we're, we, I think we recorded 248 today. So eventually we'll hit 300. Um, <laughs> so our origin story goes back years ago. So um, we used to play uh, in an LGS on one side of town here in Eau Claire, Wisconsin. We all played there every Tuesday night, and the story of that goes is Dana and his work buddy used to play at the office. That transpired to them playing at trading off every week to their house, and then they eventually found this store that we all kind of started at, and they walked in and said, hey, you know, we we play Commander, it's just the two of us, you know, do you mind if we play here? And the guy's like, you know, we don't have a Commander scene, but sure, play here, or whatever. And mm-hmm. over time, you know, they kept showing up. So the guy eventually put on Facebook, we have Commander on Tuesday nights. Like, Tuesday nights has always been our Commander night. Um, mm. At that time, I didn't know who Dana was. I didn't know who his friend was. I had a friend through my 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 ex at the time who played Magic, knew I played Magic, and he introduced me to Commander at his apartment with 
a mutual friend through volleyball. And I'm like, okay, cool. And at this entire time, I just kind of started to learn how to play magic. Uh, and, you know, early in the show, I talked about th- those kitchen table players that, you know, buy their pre-cons once a year from their LGS. Otherwise, they order singles. Yeah, yeah. The reason I always reflect back on those group of, groups of people is because that's how I started. That's how I started playing that's magic right, yeah. was... I learned, I literally learned at my friend's bachelor party, there was four of us. We played magic on my living room, my apartment's living room floor for his bachelor party. We didn't go to a strip club. We didn't go to a casino. We got drunk and played magic on my living room floor in a really crappy apartment. I love it. That was how, that's my magic origin story is I learned at a bachelor party. Um, And us being all nerds and we all kind of worked for GameStop at the time. We dove into it because that's what you do because you work at GameStop, you dive into everything. Um, yeah. And apologies to anybody who doesn't agree with that. That works at GameStop currently. Um, I I feel <laughs> bad for you. Um, so, like, we started playing Kitchen Table. We weren't really following standard rules or modern rules. We were just build random 60-card decks and play against them, like, to the point where, like, we didn't know the rules well enough to where we would cast a protection spell on a planeswalker and just eventually never lose our planeswalker. That's how bad we were at the game. <laughs> one weekend. And no one's there to tell you. One of our got one of our buddies was like, Hey, I found this new format online called EDH elder dragon Highlander. You pick a legendary creature and your entire deck has to be based off of that color combination. So that's, mm. that was my first uh, experience into commander was, there were eight of us, and we played an eight-player game, and I built two Ooh. decks. I built Neferox from Core 13, you know, the, the exalted mono-black demon. Yeah. That was one deck, and it was literally, back then, it was built what I had, what from what I had, because, like, I dove in, yeah. I bought a bunch of booster packs at Walmart and Target, or I ordered a ton of singles from eBay or Troll and Toad way back in the day. This was, like, 2012, 2011, 2012. So 10 years ago, wow, 10 years ago. Okay, then. <laughs> time, eh? I'm, yeah. move, I'm moving on now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, Reflection, far out. But then yeah. I also built one around Aurelia the War Leader because Boros is mm. fun. I opened a bunch of Return to Ravnica, Gatecrash, Dragon's Maze, stuff like that. Out of the eight people, I was the only one that loved Commander. Like, this is what I want to do. I want to build Singleton 100-card mm. decks. My volleyball buddy... Loved playing Commander as well. Our EDH at that time. We started playing with him. And then I started going to the shop. Met Dana. Met his buddy Frank. And over time. We we essentially fostered. A good chunk of the, the EDH community in Eau Claire. Just because. Yeah. It was one of two shops at the time. And the other shop was not great. They all came and played at this shop. Fast forward about a year, that shop shuts down and we go check out, that shop was on the verge of shutting down. We go check out a new shop in town in downtown just to see what it's like because we had some friends that started working there and whatnot. Great space, huge space, downtown Eau Claire, near restaurants and whatnot. So essentially what happened was when the, the first shop eventually shut down, we moved to shop number two. And I am very fortunate to say that I've had multiple shops in my tenure in EDH. 
I know that oh. not everybody can say that because I am technically on shop three right now in my tenure of EDH. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm very fortunate to say that. I know not everybody can say that. Um, so we start going to the shop and we'd play on Tuesday nights. Well, there was this pizza place right down the road that did half happy hour was half price appetizers, half price tap beers, half price rail mixed drinks. <laughs> well, so we would, this is the best cocktail ever. <laughs> exactly. So we would, you know, we'd all go down there around four, four thirty in the afternoon, have essentially dinner and some drinks, get to the store around, 5 30 6 p.m play edh until they essentially kicked us out because when we went Mm. to that second Uh, shop after close time i imagine well yeah (laughs) when we went to that second shop we kind of walked in and said if you can designate tuesday night to be commander night we can probably bring you 12 people every tuesday yeah and they're like okay (laughs) like on top of the Six to eight, we already have showing up to play Commander every night of the week looking for a bigger group. We'll take it. Um, Mm. So that shop moved locations essentially a block down the road and, you know, down a couple blocks, whatever. So we were in the vicinity for two or three years. So that's kind of where it started is we we would, this the group of us that were the closest, you know, none of us worked together, but we all kind of had the same ideology of what we wanted out of EDH. We want to see big, fun yeah. plays. We don't want CDDH. We don't want turn four combos. Everybody should get to do their thing, and the win should be spontaneous and or we saw it coming and nobody could do anything about it type of thing. Um, yeah, there's drama to it, yeah. We all started communing for, you know, this pre-EDH dinner. And so, and we would sit there talking about the newest news or the rumors on Twitter or MTG salvation. (laughs) And this, our friend of ours named Luke Witten said, you know, we're just literally having a podcast right now without recording anything. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so Dana and myself and Luke decided like, let's try doing a podcast. Luke had, experience in audio recording through band stuff not necessarily podcast stuff and so Mm. we started a podcast called commander masterclass our cmc for short and we recorded 30 plus episodes under that show before we disbanded due to creative differences um yep great show we had a lot of fun doing it um that that show probably ran through Aether Revolt, I think is probably the last set review we all did together. Um, mm. That's where the Rifties came from. The Rifties started on that show, the show we do every year. I love the Rifties. <laughs> uh, that's where that show originated from, technically, as we did it on that show first, and then we never got yeah. to do a second Rifties, so we carried it over to Commander Central. Um, so when that, that show kind of disbanded, Dana and I sat down over a beer... I think it was actually old fashions, but, um, and just kind of said, mm-hmm. do you want to keep doing this? And I said, yeah, I want to keep doing this. It's a lot of fun. It's about a hobby. I love. He's like, yeah, I do too. And at that time he had just started writing for EDH rec. So like, you know, it was all new to him too. And we're like, well, we should get a third. We're used to recording with three people. And that's where we brought Chris in. Cause Chris was a close friend of ours. He'd been on a couple episodes of CMC 
the chemistry was there. We all have that same ideology. Plus, Chris brought a different view to the show because back then, and up until maybe a couple years ago, Chris primarily was a competitive MTG player. He played the GPs. He played modern, standard, draft. EDH was his Hmm. side piece, I guess is the best way to put it. Like... That was like his. That was his thing, yeah. casual outlet. Yeah, to have fun. But he, when we would go to events, he was grinding the main event. We were playing commander at a random table somewhere, um, hmm. which we thought would bring an, and it does bring an interesting aspect to the show because he does have that competitive outlook. Like, yeah, this card sucks in EDH, but it's gonna. You should, as an EDH player, if you're cracking packs, hoard these because they're gonna be. Yeah. That ten dollar card in a competitive format like Veil vale Summer because the last time this got printed was ten years ago, type of thing, you know. Mm. Yeah, I've I've always appreciated uh, Chris's view for that, and it's like it's it's refreshing and it's different, and um, but yeah, there's a great balance to it too because he knows how to fu- have fun, of course. Yeah, so like we we started picking up, we started record doing test recordings of Commander Central. I think we did three or four test episodes, and the thing was. Luke at CMC did all the editing for us. Yeah. Oh. So like it was like <laughs> who's going to pick up editing? So I'm like, "Well, you know what? I can, I can try picking it up. I'll I'll try to do the basics." Yeah. And that is I will be 100% honest to anybody that tunes into Commander Central as a first-time listener because of this show. Thank you so much. And <laughs> things get better. I can tell you that much. If you started yep. episode 1, yep. things get better. Um I literally learned how to edit based off of a couple YouTube videos and a Wikipedia guide. I had no idea. Yeah, we'll do it. <laughs> I had no idea how to do like compressions or whatnot, like any any of the super technical details, which to me are super technical and to an audio editor are probably not super technical. Um, mm. But it is what it is. And I think I edited close to the close to 50 shows before we hired our first editor. But it is what it is, and we're still here, and that's all that matters. Um, and I never am going to do it again. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 a step, you know, exactly. And it's, um, I mean, I've joined. i you know, uh, I was about to say, I've, I've actually been talking to a, a certain editor who you'll know pretty well. As as it's like getting to the points where I was like, uh, and for me, it's yeah, I can control quality. I know I'm not the best at it, but it's like it became time, and it's that if I look at this and my project each week, going well. I put all the love into it when I jump on the microphone, absolutely adore that part. And then it's like, to look, like I've got, you know, limited amount of time beyond that. And it's like, do I have a, a couple of hours to, to go in and edit it? And the, I, I always find the time, but it was getting to the point where I'm like, ah, if, if this is detracting from my enjoyment this week, like maybe that, I need to reconsider it, this. So, yeah. It, yeah. And that's pretty much exactly what it came down to for me too. was like, you know what? I put my heart and soul into the actual recording Come Sunday evening, because that's the type of person I was, well, am, yeah, me too. not was, yeah. am, I spend my 8 p.m. to, you know, 10 p.m., 11 p.m., sometimes midnight if I screw up or something, editing the show and getting it all set yeah. for syndication on Monday. I mean, it yeah. had to be done, yeah. and I volunteered, been- and I, I took that responsibility, but the minute we mm. found an editor, I was happy to hand the keys over <laughs> yeah yeah and and that sunday evening is the uh meant to be sacred time <laughs> you know like it's i found that too i'm like oh i'm just meant to be decompressing for the week and getting ready to you get, know. get ready and, for and the next the thing. week I, 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 
that's it. And and like to fit that into a full time job, which is also you know a pretty uh, intense industry as well. And like it's you know I want to give everything the the absolute love it all deserves. And if yeah. I feel like one of those is lacking, that I'll start to reassess. Of course, so yeah. I mean, I I, I so yeah. I give kudos to any content creator out there that edits their own show and has a full time job, or any editor for con oh, for MTG man. content out there, such as Rafael Garcia who works full-time, our parents full-time, on top of editing (laughs) one or multiple shows because that's what you like to do. You you are the all-stars, and none of you get enough credit. I will say that right away. Exactly. Exactly. And that's one of my favorite little features on um, uh, um, Commander Central that I'm not certain if um, every every podcast pretty much gives a good credit to their uh, their editor and production kind of crew at the end, which is, you know, absolute huge respect. Yeah, I I agree with that. And I guess my, my train of thought on that personally is if they don't credit their staff, that means one of one of the hosts is doing it. So they don't want to take the credit. (laughs) <laughs> yeah or they just don't think they need to which is that's a bigger issue which is and, you know, and that's why i lean towards that, the you know. the other half of the cup the you know i just assume host a or host b is editing the show versus they aren't. <laughs> yeah. guilty as charged yeah i mean you mentioned that too is like the actual the people doing it uh their own content that kind of stuff and i do and like it's I, I often sit uh, with a bit of perspective to go, well, I'm just doing a podcast. I've got I've got friends that do content creation and they're full-time, like working full-time, but doing what I see is a lot more involved, their YouTube stuff. Yeah. And, they're, uh, they're, and two of those a week, I'm like, I don't know how you do it. Like, that's like absolutely, I feel like I do an absolute, you know, and one-eighth of what you're doing a week and it's it's it blows my mind and respect to always have that energy to, you know, do that, so... 100 percent agree there Some, exactly so i mean that's 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 a probably a good uh little side kind of topic and if you want to bring up now or we'll see how it kind of melds in but i do remember listening to a great episode of um an earlier episode of commander ad populum uh where you talked to ryan about you know those times where magic can just be a bit too much uh. and, and this is it's it's not saying that you know and it's, it's, it was more about acknowledging that this is not a cop out, and especially if a uh, you know you're creating content like this is going to happen, and and where best to manage that, and, and recognizing the times it does happen, and, and when to kind of take a little bit of a step away, kind of thing. But um, that's always what gets me about you know the it, it's you know it's amazing when you look at a, a podcast like Command Central and like like I say up to two fifty episodes basically now, and the passion's still there, and not to say that like it's you know automatic or anything but it's all like you know that that's what i'm trying to say it's it's like that's the achievement that you got there and like you didn't run out of steam it's more about managing that kind of thing and but it is fresh and you know it's i don't know maybe talk to that for a second yeah if you can and like if if that's if that's changed at all too like and or recognizing times where that's been like whoa man i need to step back for a second in 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 order to keep this as fresh as it possibly can. Yeah, for sure. I, I, I would love to talk about that. So, like, you brought up the the first appearance, the guest appearance I made on Commander Ed Populum, uh, and that's literally what we talked about. It was I was going through some extreme MTG burnout, is essentially what we called it. Um, yeah, yeah. That was after our second Vegas. So this would have been 2019 Vegas, I want to say. 
2018 Vegas? It was episode 28, I believe. That doesn't help me at all. I can tell you exactly (laughs) how I can figure this out. Uh, Sorry for the pause here. That's right. Borderlands 3 release date. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. You mentioned that. Okay, so yes. Um, So yeah, so that would have been in the, the... the late summer, early fall of 2019. I think the episode was probably later fall, but um, towards the end of the summer of 2019, I was going through some pretty extreme MTG burnout because that was kind of the first year. And I I apologize, it's going to kind of sound uh, egotistical. Um, that was the no, first no, no. year of us vi- going to events that summer where we were known. Mm. Does that make sense? Like... Mm. We would go no, to we would go to not even just our local ones like in Minneapolis, which is sixty to seventy five minutes away from Eau Claire, but we would go to like Kansas City, Missouri, which is ten hours, nine to ten hours, mm. and people are wearing the Commander Central T shirts that they ordered from our our Teespring store, or we would go to Vegas and people would be like, "Hey, I know you, I know your voice. You're Max Crandell and you're Dana Roach and you're from Commander Central, where you." Will you sign this or will you try to get a game with me? And that's awesome. I I love every single person that tr- that butts in and introduces themselves and say, "Hey, I just want to say hi and you know, I love your content and I will make mm. my best to have a conversation with those people if I can or I will say, "Hey, come find me in an hour. I'll be in this area. I'll I'll have more time to chat mm. with you then." I try to do that because you have to at, you know, you don't want to shove off the the little guy that maybe they you're the reason they started playing commander like you don't want to do that to someone yeah same reason as at, you're, you're at, the... same reason at your local game store you don't want to pub stomp someone that it's their second week ever playing commander because they're never going to play commander again yeah you you and i think that's it and that's what we said before like uh big or small you're all ambassadors exactly. and that's where and and that must that must have been the thing too like well, all of a sudden you've found yourself as quite a prominent ambassador of the game and it's you know you like you said like you may even be someone's positive touch point of why they're playing the game each week you know and that's that's you know it's totally possible too and i've had those interactions and i always want to shout out people like yeah i mean cco was that for quite a few years and i mean still is actually but yeah. um and and commanders brewing stuff I'm like why am i building decks because these guys inspire me to every week. Exactly. You know, that, that's really special. So mm. so at the end of that year, I think between Dana Dana and I, and then Dana and Chris, I think we in combined went to eight different events that, that May to September. Yeah. And so at, between going to events, you know, allocating your, your paid time off for your work, and making sure your home life is okay so you can be gone for a four-day weekend, a yeah. five-day weekend, or, you know, for our Vegas trips, that was kind of like Dana and Mai's vacation. We would take, we would fly out the Sunday before the GP. GP usually starts on the Thursday. We leave on Sunday because it's like our, we fly in in the morning to Vegas, we check in, and we sit by the pool all day. And then <laughs> in 2019, more people caught kind of adapted to that idea and came out so we had like henry stukenberg uh former editor mm. of edh rec articles um great community member to a lot of people um he came out on monday and so we had a third person where we could you know he had he did stuff in the morning we did our pool routine 
We'd all go get lunch. Then we'd go back to the hotel and play EDH in the hotel room. And then Dan Krause shows up on Tuesday. And we follow the same pattern. And then, you know, <laughs> CCO, CCO flies in on Wednesday. And then we start hooking up with those guys. And, like, it just kind of evolves. But the fact that you don't have to worry about being at the conference hall every day of the week. Yeah. Versus, or even... We fly in late Wednesday knowing that we have to be at the conference hall Thursday morning at 7. You just It's just nice and relaxing to know that you have three days of do whatever the fuck you want. Whether you play yeah, magic, yeah. sit by the pool, go to the bar, go play some, some craps, go, go to a <laughs> show, go to a nice restaurant. You have, you have all that time to do what you want because whether you go to GP, Magic Fest Vegas, Magic Fest uh, Melbourne, Magic Fest... Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Magic Fest, Albuquerque, those three to four days you're at the Magic Fest fly by so fast. You always leave saying like, we never got to do this, or I wish we got to do this, or I wish I had more time to sit down and talk to this person. Having those two to four extra days just means you do have that extra time to do whatever you want. And that's kind of how we've taken that trip. Is like, it's three days to do whatever we want. We want to go see some sites. Let's go see some sites. So we want to sleep in one day. Let's sleep in one day. Because then we don't have to feel guilty about come Friday morning. I can't sleep in because I promised hmm. person A, person B, and person X a game at 845 in the morning at table 17. Well, I got to sleep in yeah. two days ago and that's fine. You know? That that that's yeah. kind of how we it, we view it now, you know, and it and it's great. And, and otherwise, all all you see is the walls, the conference hall kind of thing. And, it's and like, well, yeah, it's or the scorching desert. You know, it's Vegas. Um, yeah, <laughs> I think it's thing too. Like Magic East is exhausting too, and it, like I think a, a lot of people forget that too. If you do it for a whole day, and it's very rare I ever get to do it for a whole day. I, and I want to actually say maybe some of these days in uh, when we're in you know lockdown last year, and I made it. You know, you're on. Maybe on an MTG lexicon stream and like, oh yeah, and then just like getting games after that. And if you play a good solid six to eight hours of Magic in a row, you are like in in a in a minor way, you like burnt out for the day. Uh, and like yeah. we say, this can this can can accumulate if you do this quite a bit. But it's like it's a thing I I often forget, and it's because it's that balance of it's your hobby. We do this for absolute pure enjoyment. It- Right, um, and it can be exhausting, and it's like, why am I feeling this way? I feel weird when this is actually meant to be the happiest thing, and it it, it is, but you're just absolutely drained. Right, so so that's kind of what all fed into my burnout was all the events, and granted, we we were sort of overachievers, knowing that we were going to be in Vegas for a week and weren't going to be able mm. to record. We pre-recorded five episodes, and we said, you know what, <laughs> it's it's Magic Fest Vegas week. We're going to release an episode Monday through Friday Yeah, for the people that can't be at Vegas. And we did. We released five episodes that week, which planning for took a lot of work. It, mm. it was worth it at the time. If Magic Fest Vegas happens next year, will we do it? I can't promise anything because <laughs> not, who knows what our work situation is going to be or our family situations are going to be type of thing like it just happened to yeah, work you, out you almost year. want to take two weeks off or something exactly you know, like, yeah, so to do it properly between all the events and all the extra content that went into planning for those events and or 
prepping for when we returned for those events because we always kind of did a in retrospective, at least for Vegas, we always did a Chris would just kind of do a Q&A of how was Vegas and that would be a show mm. because those are fun stories. You, I like to hear about other people's experiences at Magic Fest, whether yes. I'm there yeah, or totally. not. So like my story of that Vegas is somewhat different than Lenny's story or Ryan and Brando's or um, Joe Hoffman's because we all saw it from a different point of view we all might have been there for the same events but we all saw it differently and it's uh it's hugely positive to live vicariously through those stories too and and like you say it's also it's also going well you know it's this isn't this exclusive thing that only happens because we're here whatever it's like no it's you know we're we're acknowledging that yeah not everyone can get here it's it's a it's a joy but like we want to kind of do what we can to make you part of it so between all those events and playing magic for essentially three days straight for at least one weekend, two weekends a month for four months, you know, on top of producing content, because that's kind of when all those extra sets kind of started to ramp up all that extra product. Mm. Um, You know, so it felt like we were doing a set review every three weeks. By the time we got back from Vegas, it was like, I don't want to, I don't want to talk about magic. I don't want to, I don't want to play EDH. I don't want to, go to the LGS. I just want to, I want to melt into my couch. And I, Mm. at least as I've said multiple times in this show, magic is not my number one hobby. You know, Mm. I I'm fortunate to where video games are my number one hobby. Like I love playing video games. Ah. That's, that's my escapism. I know tons of people use magic for a form of escapism and I do too, in a sense, but like if I really if I really want to ignore COVID, I'm going to go sit in front of my PlayStation and play a game for, you know, an entire weekend versus stare at magic cards, brewing a deck or playing 48 hours of EDH with all my friends. Although that would be an awesome time. It's not my form of escapism. So that fall Mm. is when Borderlands three, my favorite video game of all time, video game franchise of all time, that game came out. And I literally just told told dana told chris told the lgs told my friends like the minute this game drops i'm not going to show up to the lgs until probably the new year like between the game dropping and hockey season starting there go my nights like i want to be home to watch the hockey game because i like a west coast usa team so in wisconsin that's two like my games start at 9 p.m they don't start at 7 p.m so Mm. I need to kind of build a buffer in there if I really want to stay up till 1130 midnight watching hockey, knowing I have to work the next morning. So like between video games yeah. and hockey, Magic got the bench. I benched it like I'm done. I'll still happily participate in the show, do all my notes, be prepped for that. But like, you're not going to see me at the shop. You're not going to see me yeah. at, you know, sure, the random Saturday night game at someone's house. I'll show up to but I'm not going to come to the shop religiously every week, twice a week to play commander. And so like that, mm. that reprieve through borderlands and hockey is what essentially refueled myself to want to play magic and be have enjoyment from magic. You know, at, at, I'm glad at, you use that word actually that's, that's bang on, but it's like, that's exactly what, that's the outcome of it too, because feeling burnt out from the thing, a thing you love so much can feel like you're betraying yourself. You're like, Oh, maybe I don't have it in me anymore. It's like, no, exactly. Seeing it in those lens of like, it, it absolutely is a necessary refuel. And a lot of people will experience it. Like I think even most, um, and sometimes that can last some people, 
months. Like it can be six months. It can be yeah. years. You know, it's just like just not for me anymore. And it's I think normalizing that and also setting a precedent for yourself as a, I mean that's a that's a you know real life level up thing when you can actually successfully do that without feeling like you're doing, you know, uh, you're kind of admitting weakness or whatever because it's not that at all. It's it's like it's just acknowledging what is there because why brute force through it. Uh, exactly. If it's not going to be enjoyable. I mean, and then if it, like you said, to if it's not, if it, then if you choose to continue with all those things, and you go to, you know, the thing that usually you're being really looking forward to and experiencing, you know, you sorry, you you, you get so much joy from, say, the hockey game and and those kind of things that you usually go to, and if you feel smothered in those things, like that's a like that's that's one where you probably need to met like it's it's best to manage the other things from a foundational level, and it's you know I I think. I just think it's it's the type of thing it's worth it's always worth talking about because it can be still really hard for people to do it, ex- and admitting that it's like you can't press pause you know one hundred percent and you know and the more I've looked back at this entire thing because like I was on Commander at Populum again earlier late in twenty twenty mm. and we kind of touched on the last time I was on we talked about this and then we talked about art but you know I've <laughs> I've I've talked about my my burnout on other shows you know commander social i i'm sure i talked about it on the the lexicon stream over the holidays but like that's what always kind of makes me feel justified taking time off from magic is magic is a game that always has something new every f- 6 weeks i guess at this point mm-hmm. i would say quarterly oh yeah oh, i used yeah. to say quarterly but at any point in the year, you could come back to Magic and be like, hey, there's this cool Commander deck, or Jumpstart just came out, or, you know, Strixhaven, a a Wizard College set is coming out in April type of thing. Like, there's always something to look mm-hmm. forward to in Magic. Where So as long as you, you know, I don't want to use the analogy, it's like riding a bike, you never forget, because I forget how to play Magic every week. Um, but... <laughs> you 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 keep the foundation. You know you know your lands tap for mana. You know creatures yeah. do stuff. But like, you could always come back, and maybe after a couple you know one on one sessions with your friends or a few games with your close friends to get you back into it, you 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 grasp on pretty quickly for relearning. Um, depending yeah. on when you yeah. left the game. So magic's yeah. always I, around. I was going to say anyway. At, at- a big positive, um, if, if I can butt in there, is like a big positive of the nature of, of Commander and the way we play anyway is it really hinges on that original Richard Garfield yeah. TM kind of quality of it, which is the whole point is seeing cards you've never seen before and not knowing how to play around them because they're an absolute surprise each time. You're like, what is that? You know, it's it, that's, that's the joy. And so you don't have to be absolutely versed up on every meta card every week, that kind of thing. Exactly. So I think... That's that's the bit I love about my format that I play. That you know the commander side of things, where I can absolutely have a break when we need to, and or like, and I not that I have really have, but it's like I know people can take off a year and exactly. come back and go. Oh, or, well, you know, it's or multiple, I'm not, I'm not out of the loop or anything. But yeah, totally, totally. But so like, I compare magic to be like, cool. I'm always gonna have magic twelve months a year to come back to. Hockey, mm. hockey. Prior to COVID was a it's a time window it's a sports season you have from you know the middle of you know july for preseason through or the middle of september for preseason through june or july for the playoffs whether your team makes it there or not Mm. if 
I watch through playoffs no matter what. I pick a new team if my team doesn't make it to the playoffs because I just like the sport. Uh, Video games. If you're that person that really only plays the new Call of Duty every year, you probably play that new Call of Duty from November through February. And then you go back to something else. You go back to a sports game or Magic the Gathering or some other hobby you have. So, like, Hmm. having Magic in the back of my mind going like, it's always there 12 months a year. I can come back and I can catch up on the last set or the set that's coming out in a week and be fine. But if I really want to hit, you know, the peak of my favorite team season, I got to be there to watch the season. Like, and, Mm. and unlike American football where it's once a week, hockey games are three to four times a week, five times a week. So it's not like I can just dedicate a day to it. I have to dedicate yeah. multiple days to it because I have to subscribe to a, the service that lets me watch the team that isn't in my region. <laughs> so, like, I got to, when it comes down to it, I got to get my money's worth. Like, I have to at least yeah. stay at home to watch X amount of games. And I used to stream the games at the LGS. And it got to the point where it's like I cared more about the game than the EDH game I was playing, so I just stopped doing <laughs> that. Well that. And I I've, stay home. I've watched a playoff game exactly. while I'm playing EDH. And I'm like, yeah. Uh, they're like, what are you doing? It's no. I, I scoop. I'm more invested in this because it's one to one and there's like 30 <laughs> seconds left. So, Max, you know, you had, you had the win on board. I don't care. I scoop. Like, I've done that. I have done that before. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Um, I was going to say it's close to the uh, the NBA, uh, yeah, or closer to the NBA kind of um, very much so in season length uh, schedule. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. Which I mean, are they. I mean, little aside about hockey, it's I've been meaning to choose a hockey team for some time and get into it that kind of way. Um, oh, the Kraken are totally a team, right? Next year, uh, yeah, next year. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that because I'm traditionally a Seattle fan in basketball uh, through and through, and they don't have a team in basketball, of course, and so the Kraken. Anyway, getting a team was awesome. But um, where was I going with that? Oh, the whole thing with, with, with games. Is there the type of thing I'm not really uh, familiar with too much going on with hockey, but they have? do they have those discussions where, you know, this is too many games for players, basically, and, and you know, something probably needs to be done because, like, is it getting to the point where people are getting benched or anything for, like, preservation for seasons? Um, Yes and no. I mean... A typical hockey season season prior to COVID and all that fun stuff is 82 yeah. games, I believe. Um, yep, yep. The MLB is more than that. Um, That's wild, yeah. I think the fact that hockey is probably one of the highest impact sports out there, and mm-hmm. I I will argue that it's a more it's a higher impact sport than American football because. Yeah, that that running back might be running pushing 15 miles an hour. That 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 guy on skates is skating 80 miles an hour and he can't stop mm. as easy as the guy mm. with on grass. So like overall mm-hmm. I think hockey players do take more damage to their bodies and extremities than a football player. Football is just I guess more popularized in America because it is mm. next to baseball it's the sport. Like you you like baseball. Everybody knows what football is. Everybody knows what the NFL is. Um, yeah. You know, and so, like, you may not like baseball, you like football, or vice versa. Not a lot of people like hockey because it's, you know, it's not nationally televised consistently. 
not every essentially every state has a team or a regional team where you can root for. So like in Wisconsin, you kind of have a three-way tie. You either root for the Minnesota Wild, you root for the Detroit. I was about to say, yeah, that's had to be. You root for the Detroit the Detroit Red Wings or you 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 uh root for the Chicago Blackhawks. And if you don't fall into any of those three, you're a weirdo like me who roots for a team on the West or the East Coast that you probably only go to see when they visit the Minnesota Wild, the Blackhawks, <laughs> or the Red Wings. Yeah. Um, I was going to say no Leafs love, or like you're close enough to the uh, yeah the can uh, you know ever ever since you actually had to have a passport to go to go and leave Canada that's now true. it's a pain in the ass. It's a physical barrier. Yeah, I can get <laughs> on a true. Spirit that's Airline true. flight to you know Arizona for like fifty bucks and get the red eye back. And that's still less work right to get in a throw. passport. <laughs> yeah, true, true. That's that's fair. Um, but, um, and I was going to say the quality there that often gets brought up with basketball, with with baseball, with with football, that kind of thing too. It's like it's the popular appeal being tied to how easy it is to just pick up and do the thing in the street or in the park. And like hockey is a thing, you've got to get your skates, you got to get your stick, and you got to get the things set up. And it's I mean, you street hockey, I guess, but it's. That's that's the thing with a basketball. You can always pick it up, um, and even some to some extent of football as yeah. well. And here in Australia, and and it, and Australian rules football, everyone just got a football in their garage and you just go kick it down the park. You know that kind of thing, right? But yeah, it's um. I was going to say so. Uh, yeah, no, it's good aside. It's I was going to say there's there's often like uh, a couple of little lessons to be learned in in a weird way in in, in kind of tangential uh, anecdotes and and kind of uh, what do you call them metaphors of course with sport we've often gone into that kind of thing as well but it's, sure. it's cool to touch on and i also want to hear like i mean just I, I also love to hear that you know what people are passionate about outside of magic because that that point being made that like magic's not everything um right it can be it can get pretty stressful if it is everything I for mean, someone because I mean, you're living as i said living at the mercy of a company yeah i guess my to to wrap up kind of the burnout topic here is my tip to all your listeners is yeah recognize that you're burnt out like it took me a very yeah. long time to realize to make that re- re- realization like yeah. I- i'm sure i had i'm sure those nights at the shop where i walk in after a bad day at work and i honestly don't want to be there but i feel obligated to be there i was burnt out on magic more than my bad day like i just didn't want to play magic yeah. you know if you are able to recognize that, you know what? I've had a lot of bad experiences the last few times I've played Magic. Maybe not... And I'm not even talking about you got pub stomped or you're in a crappy pod, but, like, I played the best game of my life and I still didn't have fun type of thing. Like, because that's, yeah, that's what was happening to me. I played yeah. some of my best Magic during that burnout period, but it wasn't. I wasn't enjoying the victories or even losing in a really mm. cool way. Like, when the... The, when what you found was fun in EDH is no longer fun, you're probably burnt out on it. Take a break. Take a yeah. week off. Take two weeks off. You know, just don't touch your decks. Don't look at, you know, participate in the communities you're in. But maybe don't play. Don't play for a while. Or yeah, vent to someone. Maybe you, like maybe you, you have a really good friend in that community <laughs> that yeah. you can be like, hey, buddy, I just, I like playing the game, but I'm not having fun right now. How do you think I can do that? Mm. Well, you know what? Take a take a weekend off, or take a weekend to yourself. You know, maybe it's the decks you're playing, maybe it's whatever. But mm. looking back at all the situations where I was a glorified asshole to people, 
I could tie it back to the point that I was probably burnt out on magic. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 taking that pressure off too because it's it's you know, I mean if you're brewing whatever it's the pressure can be the the antithesis of of creativity and um but yeah, it's it's like it it needs to be normalized a little bit to to take that break kind for of sure. Thing, for sure. And you you will uh, have no idea how many people appreciate it that you were the person that realized you needed the break. Like you do <laughs> exactly. you do your lo- you do that your energy, local yeah. community so much a favor and the bigger community you're a part of. Like, hey everybody, I'm sorry. I was a I was an asshole last week. That's on me. I was in like I just I need to take a break from magic. That goes a long way. Mm. Yeah, that's right, and I I really love that you use the word refuel because that is something I'll, I'll kind of uh, you know keep keep a, a little note in my mind about because that's what it is, and it's like uh, sometimes the nature of that as well. Taking a break is the ambient pressure as well in your head that things will be better in a week. They may not be. It's no. like it's it's also let letting things form organically again, and you know remembering why you loved it, but don't don't hold that pressure on yourself that that has to return straight away kind of thing. So. Um, because again, yeah, it's like things, things might appear to just from where you don't expect them to like, it's like, Oh, I remember I actually really look forward to this and not because someone's telling me to. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I think that's, that's a good one to wrap there as far as like the, the burnout factor of that. But, um, yeah, I mean like rolling it all into one as far as more recently with with cmdr central like it's what what are your perspectives on it now pretty broadly and like i mean how did you guys feel about last year yeah so um quarantine hit hard here in america you know about a year ago and so for those who don't know we actually used to record in my basement where i'm actually recording right now we used to call it (laughs) the dungeon of love or the dungeon of doom depending on (laughs) whatever mood chris was in that week um and you know what? I'm going to say it right now. Pants were optional. They always are in the dungeon. Yes. Um, after Why didn't I introduce you that way? Ah, the dang it. The, uh, the, the wearer of pants sometimes. It's, uh, it's for, the, it's for yeah. the after hours. Mm. Uh, <laughs> for the, the Commander Central only fans. These are the pants I'm That's not right. wearing right. this week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's do pants check. Yeah, exactly. Um, so when the quarantine hit, like... I mean, I have pre-existing condition, medical conditions and stuff like that. So, like, I had to take this seriously. Um, mm. So, we kind of went remote. Dana already kind of had a setup at home for EDH RecCast, so that worked out. Um, Chris's wife ended up having to work from home, so space was a limitation for him for quite a while. Yeah. Um, eventually, when we got kind of to, essentially, probably, like, early summer of last year is when we kind of got that all hammered out of getting Chris a space, being able to have him record from home and, and we got him back in the show, which was great. And we missed him. And, you know, we, we, we made sure the ship didn't sink like you and I are doing tonight. Nah, um, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty happy with what we're saying. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, you know, we, we did we did the thing for a few months with Chris, and now that we have gone all remote, like we all record from our own homes, and there are positives and negatives to that. You know, the positives are we can kind of record over a lunch break versus after work on a Thursday evening, you know. Mm. Uh, we can, it's more flexible. Yeah, that's right. Um, 
at the same time, we had some plans to move to video uh, prior to COVID. And the plan was just to kind of make the dungeon into a studio, kind of like a like a sports center almost. Like we'd all be sitting at a desk talking. Um, kind of like what Jimmy and Josh suits, do. Suits. Yeah, I was going to say suits, but no pants though. Yeah, I mean, definitely. there'd be, maybe that's that's extra level on Patreon. You got to get there. Um, <laughs> no pants to you. Uh, but now as we kind of move into the, the recording remotely and whatnot and knowing who everybody's home space is like, video may or may not happen. Um, hmm. It's extra equipment, which we could easily get, but it also is extra setup and extra work i hate to be so negative about it but it is kind of extra work (laughs) like we don't want to do that i compare to what we i compare what we we envision to do to some of the more video centric content i consume now whether it's mtg related or non-mtg related we are definitely Mm. one of those podcasts that says pause fix something redo or pause and redo something you know we definitely have some edits mm. in our show when you go mm. to a video show and you want to make it as simple as possible for your your editing staff you can't do that like mm. you can't say pause fix something wait 15 seconds because then you have to cut the audio cut the video make sure it all still syncs up and it's it's kind of a pain and that's my yeah, very that's right. basic understanding of how editing video and audio works. I'm going to make that 100% clear. I am not a professional. I do not wear pants. Um. <laughs> but yeah, needless to say, the complexity is is compounded, of course. And it's the, the, the thought I get there too, I mean, we think about it the same way here, that I only ever want to do, I mean, I, I do want to expand things, of course, but I don't want to ever rapidly expand to the point where it's not sustainable. And that's the thing. I always want to manage what I can to right. the best quality I can, and and and, in, and most importantly, enjoy doing it exactly. So, well. so, and that's that's fair. Like fair, the amount of context and, and factors that change that over, like you say, last year. And so, I mean, there are improvements we could do to our current shows for like YouTube. We could add more card art and stuff like that. That's kind of mm. our discretion, and it puts a lot of work on our editor because right now it's simple. We load to our hosting platform. We hit commit it goes everywhere to youtube and whatnot with the correct thumbnail if you want to add artwork and like that you you gotta kind of skip skip a step which isn't fun um but you know it's stuff we've discussed and just haven't pulled the trigger on and we're happy with that like we look at our show as the minute we're not having fun why are we doing Mm. this like this isn't exactly this is not our source of income so we don't have to treat it like that so Mm. The minute it becomes not fun, why make it any harder? Because it's not fun. Yeah, and that, like you said before, changing or when you're actually playing, like you'll you'll probably notice too. Like I mean, that that energy does come through, and it can come through on the commander table. It can come through on on content where it's like, are they really doing? Is they enjoying themselves? Like you know, kind of sound like they want to be somewhere else. That kind of thing. So yeah, yeah. I mean, we do. We do have some plans to do some, like, and by we, I mean I, have some plans to do, like, <laughs> a Twitch discussion. Like, I'll just turn my camera on and oh, yeah. pop into a Twitch chat 
on our channel and be like, hey, I'm working on this deck. Let's come and chat. And maybe it's about magic tonight. Or maybe it's we're going to talk beer and my philosophy on Commander. Or, hey, I didn't really get to... We didn't really talk about this hot subject on Commander Central. I have my opinions. I'm going to crack a beer and you can come listen to me, bitch. Or, you know, give applauds to the decision whatever my opinion is and we'll see where it goes yeah. like it's we're not doing it for the money or the bits or the the subs we're just doing it because i know our community said if you did this i'd tune in yeah and and you would enjoy it and you would get a, a lot of uh kind of you know that it's another outlet type thing and and it's defining those styles too it's it's really handy too it's that you know there, there's places on Twitch that you can, you know, this is the type of place you can do something that's a lot less formal and a lot less, you know, structured and a lot less uh, kind of, you know, you almost do it less frequently if you wanted to, like, it doesn't matter. But it's, um, and get get people involved and, and have that kind of thing. And, and it's funny, we've actually started a similar thing on, it's completely nonsense, but it's great and we love it with with those MTG lexicon boys. Exactly. So um, on Saturday Saturday nights, we told literally no one and rocked up last Saturday night and just said, "Let's just get on the microphone." And um, uh, thanks to Brandon for kind of pushing that. But Chesh, myself, Brandon, and Jeff jumped on, and next thing we know, we're going through tier lists of Star Wars movies and Star Wars games. That's and awesome. Like having the but I, we were just like it was so rowdy, it was hilarious. Is that just no in their Discord in one from, of the voice channels? No, it's on Twitch, and that's what I mean. No oh, one. No during one, um, their stream, uh, you just did this instead. Well, while streaming, yeah. So that's so. Uh, what do they usually do? Su- no, they usually do Saturday night. Sorry, so I say Saturday night my time, which is Friday. Friday like, night. would be yeah. Right now, my time. Yeah. So it was a brainchild of Brandon's that basically he he's wanted to do a Friday night, you know, late nights type thing, just like talk show thing but like it just keep it very loose but keep it always fun and um that was hilarious and we're i think we're actually going to think about what we talk about a little bit more this time but still keep it you know the essence of it fun so um i I completely i know what you mean it's like a podcast is one thing thankfully ours is very loose and and that's the whole way i want it to be anyway and and fun and conversational but it's like that other point it's like yeah and and also the twitch interaction live is a is a whole nother thing it oh and hilarious don't that that has been (laughs) if we're talking about the most i've learned through quarantine is i am a terrible streamer (laughs) <laughs> um so like i think the first stream i ever got invited to be on was edh Recast when they first kind of started their wednesday night yeah, stuff because yeah. you know we're the air quotes other show even though we were his mm-hmm. first show so suck it joey and matt um <laughs> love you guys right. but i miss you and i can't wait to see you guys in person um so you know that's the riff we had like that's the best part about the community as like tangent here. Like up until last year, I'd never met Joey and Matt in person. Dana had been recording this show with them for about a year. He'd been recording with me for a couple years, but the minute we all met in person, it was like, we'd known each other forever. Like we grew Mm -hmm. up together. And that's, that's what I love about this community. And, you know, other instances like that, uh, come to mind is like, Vegas 2019 I'm standing in the entrance hall before they open the doors hanging out there with you know Zach Taylor and Ryan Paneff and all of a sudden I get tapped on the back of my shoulder and there's this guy and he looks at me and goes 
you're Max Crandell, aren't you? I'm like, yeah. And I go, and you're Ginger Joe, aren't you? He goes, yeah, I am. And we gave each other a hug. <laughs> Never had talked yeah. to this person through anything except maybe a Twitter thread. But I knew exactly yeah. who Joe was. And to this day, I talk to Joe every day of my life. Like, I would consider mm. him in the the high echelon of best friends in my frontier. <laughs> um, the toppest of Joes. Exactly. So, but as I've learned through 2019, like, as a streamer, it's not like a podcast, or at least not like my podcast, where you can pause for 10 seconds mm. while you figure out what That's you right. need to say. You have to constantly be interacting with each other or the chat and that has taken me and i'm still learning how to do it well because like i can pay attention to my game i can pay attention to your game or i can pay attention to chat and i don't know which one i'm supposed to be doing at the exact (laughs) moment where i should like i always screw it up so i either make the bad play because i was talking about something that was cool said in chat that was really cool and i wanted to talk about it or I ignore that really cool thing in chat because you did something really cool on your board state. Or I'm going to win the game and I'm going to ignore everybody. Yeah. That's why it's best to guest on things so you don't have to always be on the... And, <laughs> the and I don't feel bad yeah, if I never get invited back. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, I was going to say too, but th- th- yeah, that bottom line, I was going to make that you make those gameplay mistakes, but thankfully we're not playing the format of uh, Magic where... You know, everything's on the line. And, what are you and, talking about? Or, everything's you know, always on the line. Yeah, exactly. This is the, yeah, it's like one damage is a blood feud, you know? Like, we're, <laughs> we're exactly. Oh, those people. But no, those people uh, agree. And, it, and that's, been, that's been a fun kind of, like, climate to navigate in a way. And I, I think I, you probably, you know, like, notice how much more that's really kind of, of course, taken off over the year. And that was the kind of point also, like, looking at that, how the game changes and, and we're all playing a spell table and, and like making commander like 2020, the year of commander, the quote unquote, that it didn't intend to be, but somehow ended up being. And uh, that, you know, that you've got us Australians that like appearing in, in what would usually just be an MTG lexicon stream in their, in their office space kind of thing. And it's like, they've got to open it up to the world and we're all kind of making it work. But it became a lively place. It really it, did, and it's. I mean, I love love that you touch on that. that like the 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 bonds you make there. Like, I'm gonna meet some of you guys one day if we get over to Vegas, and it's literally gonna be those hug moments. It it's is. Like you guys and actually be important important people in my life. So I I I'm probably one of the few people that you'll ever hear say this, but once it becomes safe here in Wisconsin and or all the U.S. or once I get vaccinated. I will still promote virtual EDH. Me too. Me too. Will, I've had that. Like, yeah, I've had that thought a lot actually. I've yeah. actually. I think I've actually said this on our show a few times. Like, I love my LGS. I love them. I love the owners to yeah. death. I love the people. I've. I love the local group that I have actually not gotten to play with for the most part for the better part of a year. Mm. I love some of those people. Um, <laughs> there are some unfortunate consequences. <laughs> of being a content creator in a somewhat small community when it comes to your local game store. And that's all I'm going to say. Um, uh, and that's the type of stuff I don't miss. Um, yep. Because I would rather spend my Tuesday nights where I would typically go to my LGS and I'm still going to go to my LGS once I feel personally safe to go there. That's on me. Yeah. They're open. They're doing great. I know people, they have great rules in place, but I, 
I personally am not there yet. My 100% my choice. Um, I still support them as best as I can. That's where I bought all my Keldheim singles from, to be honest. Um, But I would rather spend my three of my four Tuesday nights a month in my Commander Central community or the Commander Crunch community or the CCO community being like, (laughs) who wants to play Commander? Because guess what? I'm probably never going to meet 80% of these people. You know, when you take out all the people I've met already at events or met through Zoom calls or something like that, um, 80% of those people I'm still never going to meet because they either can't get to a Magic Fest or, you know, they have extenuating circumstances where this is the best they can do. Magic is the one thing they have outside of reality and the best they can do is play VEDH. Then I'll, I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna play VDH with them. You know what? That's gonna be a hell of a fun time. You know because that's what they want to do. They want to play with me. I want to play with them. Like that's how I kind of view v- VDH and that and and everything through quarantine and the pandemic has taught me is I feel more connected to the Commander mm. Central community than I have ever felt in our almost four years of existence. Um, Absolutely. Because, I mean, I'm working from home. I can be in our Slack, checking in on the the chat rooms and discussing, you know, Time Spiral remastered reprints (laughs) and uh, checking in on people's deck lists. But I can also be there where, like, you know what? I've had a slow day at the office. It's 3.30 in the afternoon and they need a fourth for a pod. I'll bring my work. Yeah, yeah. T- I'll bring my work laptop down to my my recording area where my VDH setup is uh, set up as well, and I can just tell them, "Hey, if my phone rings for work, I need to mute this and totally disregard this, and I need to focus on work." And yeah, I have learned so much about how other people view magic. And how people brew decks and how they want to brew decks and what they do or don't want to play against and why they like playing against certain decks of mine and why they don't like playing against certain decks of mine are like every question you you really ever want to ask to get really good statistics about your stable. Yeah. I feel like I'm getting from the community that we have fostered and I... A hundred percent. I yeah. would I would play with all of them every day of the week if I could because <laughs> it's so random. Like, sure, I'll I'll go a weekend where every game people are like, I either want to play against Dramoka or I want to play against Regna and Krav. You know what? Mm. That's why I tinker. I like having a very small stable. I have six decks, soon to be seven, mm. soon to be seven decks. Uh, once I become Ooh. not lazy. Um, and we'll get to that later, I guess. What is this? What? Oh, no, do that then. I was going to ask what the uh, the magical seventh is because it has to be something pretty pretty impressive if uh, it's got your eye and it's going to actually make the list. You you it's, actually um, should know this if you've listened to past episodes of Commander Central. Oh yeah, no, I think I do actually. Now that you mention it, yep. yes, yes, yes. But yes, we'll get to that yep. later. Sorry, I was rough. So, but like, we'll I I love just playing with our community and be like, hey Max, I think I know how to beat Dramoka. Okay, <laughs> let's go. And you know what? And I love that. I love seeing everybody's interesting build. And like last year, so in 2019, and this kind of ties back to me not being a brewer, I actually mm. petitioned our community 
build my first deck of 2020 thinking. So my entire idea was this is behind this was I proposed it right around Thanksgiving of 2019. And I said, you all know I hate brewing decks. I love <laughs> taking other people's ideas and re-manipulating them to my play style and my meta and all that fun stuff. Because that's back when I could go and play with people <laughs> in person. Mm. Um, I said, so here's the deal. I want you to build me a deck. It has to be under, I think it was $300 American at the time. So this was before all the crazy price jumps and all that stuff that's been happening. Um, and it either has to be Rakdos or Gruel. I think those were my two limitations because those were, I wanted a two-color deck. And those are the two colors I've struggled with in the past. Yeah. And I said, you can submit stuff individually. You can work as a team if you want. I don't care. Mm -hmm. Deck list has to be submitted by, I, I put a date out there and I said, and then luckily I was, we had a community member and it's long enough ago where I can't remember who exactly it was. So I apologize person in our community. And I know you're still in our community. I feel like it was cable, but I don't think it was cable. Um, they kind of organized everybody's submissions. They kind of took the bull by the horns and organized everything for me, which I appreciate. Um, and so I ended up going with, and so the end goal was, I'm going to build this deck. I'm going to then, uh, anytime I, I'm at an event, because this is back when pre-COVID, the, the idea mm -hmm. was cool. We, we, we had docketed almost eight events for 2020, essentially, was the plan. Um, eight events from like April through November. I said, so anytime you see me at a live event at a Magic Fest and you play with me, you have the option to say, hey, Max, I want to play against this deck, <laughs> which is okay. I will play it no matter what else the pot is going on. And my, my idea was whoever challenged me for the deck could sign a card in the deck. So eventually it would become an oh, entire deck it. of... Our, our our listeners, whether they're our patron supporters or just a listener of the show, or maybe I get lucky and I just get into a pod with three other listeners. You know, they all get to pick a card and sign it. Um, That was the plan for the deck. So the entire deck was going to be signed by our listeners. And at the end of 2020, which because there was no events, I actually technically retired this deck and will pick it up maybe in the <laughs> future or modify the challenge and whatnot because the deck is missing eight or nine pieces for other issues. Um, <laughs> mm. uh, my idea so what was that deck anyway. Well, I'll get there. Let me, let me finish the, ah, the entire idea. Exactly. You gotta have, you gotta have the, you gotta have the, exactly. you gotta build it up. We gotta tell the story. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, I'm, I'm enticed. So the idea was cool. I'll have all the listeners sign the cards. And once the deck is 100% signed and the caveat was, if I got down to one card, I would just have Dana, myself, and Chris sign it. So it, every card in the entire deck would be signed. And then at the end of 2020, I would rebuy the deck at current market value, and we'd give it away to a, a Patreon supporter. That was the entire goal of the Love idea. It. So, cool. We built the deck a year ago at 300 bucks. Today, it's worth double the value. 
Commander Central is going <laughs> to give to Commander Central is going to rebuy that deck, double sleeve it, put it in a nice deck box, and mail it to you no matter where you live in the world, as long as you win that drawing. And we were going to make it like a like mm. a like a, a long term Patreon drawing, like a we're going to draw it on March first or something like that, you know. So as long as you were a supporter, a continued supporter, you know, in through March first, you'd be entered into the drawing. Yep. So the deck. I had about a dozen suggestions and I looked through every list. Like that was how I decided. I said, I'm going to look through every list and decide which one is close enough to my play style, my meta, my local meta, stuff like that, um, to where I want to build it and play it. And it came down to two different Grum Gully decks. <laughs> Perfect. And this is. I ended up going with Rafael Garcia. So our our actual editor of our show. Um, this was actually right before. He's a gen- this is right before we, genius, I think we brought him on. To be honest, like if this would have happened yeah. after we hired him, this might have been called like collusion. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so he made he made me a Grum Gully human tribal deck. So Grum Gully cares about non human creatures, right? Every human in the deck made a non-human token. <laughs> oh, so whack. So whack. And so... And I, I, I gotta say, too, like, it's it's a side note, too. Like, uh, Raphael's one of those people that just, you know, week, week in, week out, inspire me to yeah. see the creative side of Commander. He, like, to, 100%. Go go follow him on, on Twitter, at Ursa Bear Walker. He is the best bear in the multiverse and if you disagree with me you will have to fight me with no pants on so bring it on me me too i'll join the fight as well yeah uh, yeah love love the the great ursa bear walker um so that's kind of where that all came from like that was my first that was actually my first deck of 2020 was that deck Mm. and then COVID happened um actually the first time i ever played that deck my goal, so, have you ever heard the story of GP Zach's house in Austin last year? I'm, oh, I think I do very vaguely. Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah. So, th- this actually flows into the Grumgully deck, so we're connecting stories here, everybody. <laughs> I'm going to beat the record. I'm going to beat the record. We're at two and a half hours. <laughs> oh, don't, you're on par. We've just got profile questions after this um, kind of thing. But uh, so, as, as I like to think, anyway, all tangents kind of turn back into a square at one point. So They're yeah. all EDH-related somehow, if not um, <laughs> drink more beer. <laughs> exactly. Um, I appreciate it. So, yes, keep, on, keep on going. So the Grumgully deck, my goal was like, I'm going to have it built by this event called GP Zach's house. So Zach Taylor, host of command <laughs> co-host of commander social with Ryan green based out of Austin, Texas. Um, so that previous year in Vegas, I got really close with Zach and Joe Hoffman, ginger Joe and Ryan. And granted I had met Ryan the year prior for the attractable and whatnot. Um, but like that was the year where like, I, I personally was like, Dana's with his EDH rec crew, which is great. I love them all. But that kind of is when EDH rec kind of really bloomed, I would say. Like, they got Mm. really big that year. So, like, I started hanging out with other people, which is great. Like, we're all adults. Like, there should be no high school drama here. Um, No, exactly. 
So I got to know Joe and Zach and Ryan and a lot more of the CCO guys because there's the whole uh, CCO penthouse debacle that everybody has heard a thousand times. Um, and yeah. we, we all went and got machete tacos together and stuff like that. Um, so after we all left Vegas, so it was like Joe, Zach, myself, Dan Krause, Ryan, Dana, we're like, Hey, uh, what do you, I think Joe was the one that said, what are you guys doing Valentine's day weekend? And I'm like, well, I'm not doing anything. I'm single. Like I got no plans. And Zach's like, nothing. Why? He goes, well, you know, I think his wife had planned a girl's trip, not realizing it was Valentine's Day or something. So we ended up getting this Airbnb in Austin, Texas, where Zach lives, where Ryan lives. And we just said, screw it. We're going to make a a long weekend out of it. We invited Dan. We invited some other people. Uh, Tim Rayburn showed up, was invited as well. He was a great guy. And we literally played, we rented this Airbnb in Austin, Texas. And we played from... We got in Thursday, super late Thursday, and we were there until Sunday morning, and all we did was play EDH and drink and cook barbecue. Um, oh, so, so my goal at that, my goal for Grumgully was I'm going to have it ready for the first event we're going to go to, which was supposed to be in March of 2020. Like late March of 2020 was the first event we had on our calendar. So mm. my personal goal was I'm going to have it ready for GP Zach's house so I can get some reps in. Great, right? I can get some practice with it, tweak it a little if I have to, justify my changes because I was going to keep a change log of, hey, you guys originally proposed this card. I found, you know, data-wise it didn't perform well. I swapped it for this type of stuff. Um, so we go to GP Zach's house. Tim Rayburn shows up and he said, I, and he was the very first person ever said, I want to play against Grumgully. I'm like, okay, that's the rules. You, you, <laughs> you call me out, you, you challenge me. And so we play a game deck doesn't perform great, whatever. He said, okay. He said, I have a, I have a question. I said, what's up? He said, do I still get to sign a card? If I brought a card signed for you, I said, what are you talking oh. about? He said, well, you said every time a listener plays against you, they get to sign a card. I said, yeah. He said, well, I also have a gift for you. And he showed me in the deck, there is a Karizev creature because it makes a non-human token. Yeah, it makes it Ragavan. Yeah. Uh, he had Ryan Peneff of Commander at Populum, Commander Cookout Podcast, alter a Karizev into a tiny Tina from Borderlands 3, so the the teenage version Ooh. of her, into the art. Um, Ryan did that and sent it back to Tim. That was, according to Tim, that was the first ever non-MTG art or extended border Ryan had done on a card. <laughs> it's also, and I know Ryan confirmed this with me, it's the first ever altar he signed. Love it. On top of that... Mm. On top of that, Tim knew people who worked at the Gearbox office, Gearbox Publishing, Gearbox Software publishes or makes Borderlands 3, essentially. They de- they developed it. 2K published it. Mm. Um, so he knew people that worked at the, the Gearbox office in Texas. The card is signed by Randy Pitchford, the head of Gearbox, who essentially created oh. Borderlands. <laughs> 
when when like, Tim handed he, me that he, card, he's a listener. <laughs> well, so Tim's like, "Here's my card." I'm like, "So, I think I actually said, sure, you can sign a card." I was like, it was ten o'clock in the morning. I was half awake, hungover, and probably on my second beer of the morning because I was on vacation away from Wisconsin in February, so I was already in shorts at 8 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> and that might have been the morning the bird flew in the glass window sliding door and died, and Joe blamed it on me. Um, but whatever. That's beside the point. Um, don't don't screw the scumbag, apparently. Um, uh, did, did not cast pl- uh, plummet. No, no I did not. So I let him send the card, and he hands me this carries over. I'm like, oh, my gosh. And he's looking. I'm looking at it, and he goes, yeah. And I, the first thing I notice is Ryan signed it. I noticed Ryan's signature. I'm like, Ryan signed it. He goes, yeah, that's the first one. He goes, keep looking. I'm like, wait. Whoop. That's Randy Pitchford's name. He goes, yeah, Randy. That's Randy. Randy Pitch. I had a buddy get Randy to sign it for you. That's why this was such a rush. He actually, I think he actually outbid me for the altar or something like that. So like we had communicated somewhat about it, but he goes, this Mm. was a rush job knowing I was going to be here in Austin to where like he had to like rush ship it from Canada or something. But Tim, thank you. It's it's whether I keep that deck or not, that card is literally going into a shadow box frame and never getting played again, because that is maybe the most thoughtful gift I've ever gotten magic related from a person. Yeah. Especially one, I'd never really met before. So that is that is the that's the true light of this community right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The connection that like it 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 will floor you, uh the way you can kind of affect people like, around you and the, like they do things like that. It's like, wow. I, I, I cried. Like I saw that card and once I realized yeah, everything yeah. that got put together was like my one of my best buddies that had moved into this new card altering thing did this art he signed it and then the guy that makes my favorite video game franchise ever signed the card and now i own it like i don't like yeah that's not going to mean anything to anybody except for me yeah and maybe tim and ryan because they were involved in the process but like that's never gonna not mean anything to me like that is what i'm going to remember about the magic the gathering community yeah and if there's ever any doubt, like personally, or you know, you're having a hard time, whatever, you just look back and you're like, that's the best value, that validation you could ever get. It's like keep doing what you're doing. Like it's you, you affect people, and it's you know, and and the people are what what this whole thing's about. And um, as I kind of yeah saying, it's even very very new to kind of tapping into that community more or less. Like the last like six or so months, and and being a part of some of the you know things going on online and, and being welcomed to that kind of thing. It's just like, well, this is my support network. It's absolutely amazing. So yeah. Yeah. Who even knows what's going to happen with these? I, I, I mean, I, I listen to these tales of, of real life meetups and I'm just like, Oh my God, like this, there's going to be a day. And we, we joked about it a few times. Well, not joked. Cause it's more, it's going to happen rather than try to make it happen. Uh, but there's going to be hugs and there's going to be like, you know, thank you I, for helping me through. And, you said 2K before. I was going to say the uh, there's a there's a bit of a link there with um, uh, you know, certain someone we know in 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 Lexicon as well. Yeah. And um, you know, yeah, it's a, you know, shout out Nick, and it's okay. like he's been a huge, amazing person to talk to as Nick, well. And, yeah, Nick, yeah. Nick Nick is awesome. He is uh, like you said, he works at 2K. They published Borderlands, and 
he knew I was a Borderlands guy. And so when like Borderlands 3 started to like get previewed, he's like, hey, are you watching the PAX show? I'm like, yeah, I am. He goes, well, what do you think? I'm like, I'm so happy. Like the game got announced. He goes, yeah, I'm, I'm literally standing next to the stage. And like, I've been dying to tell you, this is what I've been doing for like the last X amount of years of my life is working on this game. Like he trolled yeah, me yeah. for a good six months about that the entire time. Like I knew he worked at 2K <laughs> And I was like, well, can you tell me about Borderlands 3? He's like, I, I'm not even working on that project. Like, he he, he, he trolled me so hard. <laughs> like, I don't know how I would ever repay it. But he is, he's done me so, such great favors with sending me awesome Borderlands swag. And I give him crap about his glass plaque NBA 2K21 thing he showed off before we streamed <laughs> that night. Oh, yeah. But that's right. He literally sent me the same thing for Borderlands, so like I can't get like I I meant it as a joke, yeah, and he knows yeah. it. But like, I just appreciate that. You know, I always think of video game companies as like these big conglomerates, even though they aren't. Like they're not an Amazon, but like they don't care about the mm. player. Like that's how I always think about video game developers. Even though I can find a thousand examples on the internet where I'm proven wrong every time, but like. Yeah, yeah. Just to be that example of some dude that works at a at a video game publishing company cares about the player. Like and he went out yeah, of his way to yeah. hook me up with some swag and you know, ask me my experience or let me know if you're having issues. Like that's above and beyond yeah, his job yeah. responsibilities and that just goes to uh, the type of person he is. Yeah. Whether it's to me personally or in the community in general. Like that's who he is. And we are all blessed by having him in that in our communities. Yeah, because it's it's that and the card too, same thing. It's like these are things these people don't have to do. No, not like, at all. Make it easy. Go that that that's too hard. And they're like, ah, oh, I can't be bothered. There's other things taking up. And they they set a, a, such an example to go. Well, you know, you you never know when someone needs to feel gratitude. Exactly. Um, let them know. You know, like, and that's huge. And and you know. Um, that's, that's, that's massive. So it's, yeah, thanks for sharing a great story about exactly what, like the embodiment of what that all, that is all about. Like, you know, look out for people and you, you know, or, you know, kind of just be a kind person. You never know where someone's going to pay you back too. Exactly. And you know, that, that can relate to in real life, just help, help everybody that you Always, can. Yeah. But it also kind of goes yeah. to our community. Like I like helping the new content creators. Yeah. Uh exactly. so like uh Andy and Nick from Scrap Trawlers, uh they're they're good buddies of mine. I've been on their stream uh, at least once. I they've streamed like I've played games with them outside of stream. They're they're great guys and they have this awesome stream and you know, I talked about just doing like a a, a chatting stream earlier in the show. I love their sc- talking scrap. The scrap chat. Yeah, scrap chat. Like I love yeah, that, yeah. I think, more than the gameplay streams just because you get to hear people's thoughts yeah. on cards. Are They find cards and that nobody's have ever heard of before and why they like and they're them. they're wonderful personalities too. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And I think those two especially, they again, they're, they're kind of in that Hall of Fame for me of, of, of pillars of people that uh, 
they they kind of just promote that joy of finding weird cards and and yeah. because it's that that budget mindset that I'm always of the belief that it's like I don't need to go out and buy these expensive cards I can kind of use what I've got effectively and have fun doing it because it's you know you you play a card and someone's like what is that and it makes <laughs> yes. it interesting you know as, as simple I mean, as that and I I love what they've come up with with that budget constraint because it's a more uh, I, I want to say inclusive way of playing the game I don't I mean, ever want this game to be you know gatekept by price exactly i mean and i i i've mentioned tonight that i'm not a brewer but the fact that i've been on yeah. their stream and had to brew with the the, the budget <laughs> restriction of 50 usd minus your commander and basic lands and snow lands were included thank god um <laughs> nice. but on top of that we had to build around a legendary creature from the original zendikar block where Two of them are already banned, so that didn't bode well for mm-hmm. me. Like that—that that was an in, a very intriguing exercise for myself. So, like, oh yeah, I definitely like went to EDA Trek and was like, Drano Liberator of the original Drano is who I'm playing. I think that's Liberator or mm. Malakir Rebirth, or Liberated uh, Blood Chief Kalista. She she's had a few printings. <laughs> it's the original one where you can pay X and black and she gets bigger and you minus X something. Um you know, I definitely Which always went, feels great on the board too. Like it it's does. always like, oh, this is actually just really effective removal. <laughs> so like great. I took like the 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 average list under like budget or vampire tribal or something like that and then trimmed it to my my liking to fit the criteria. Now that we're doing our replay match uh, in two days from now, so probably before this show airs, a couple of my cards have pushed me way over budget, like not like in that $1 over budget, but like that $8 over budget range. So now mm-hmm. I got to like be like, do I cut a couple creatures and put a couple extra lands in or do I cut that Whip of Erebos to put it at budget, but I need that Whip of Erebos because the <laughs> lifelink and or... The whip ability itself is great in Vampire Tribal. Like, I don't know what to do. But, like, that's great, though. Like, I love when I'm given a set of criteria, I think I brew better versus, like, I'm going to pick a random legend from Coldheim and see what I can do because then I just get decision paralysis. Exactly. And I, I, I love that too. And I be it my work, I actually do. I tend to actually like enjoy a little bit of restriction there on, in, in a brief. Because, uh, like, well, guess what? Within these restrictions, I want to see what cool, like, challenge myself. What can I do? But definitely that in, in Commander for sure. For and, sure. Um, that there, there's actually, that reminds me very closely to something uh, I was shouting out the other day. Uh, I believe it's the Partner Commanders podcast. Um, they've just started up and I think five, six episodes in, but really enjoying their stuff for sure. And and they had the one where uh, divvy up your color combo and then also the archetype and then spin the wheel on the randomizer and then you have to build that deck that matches those two up. So they, they could be really, really different. They could, could be like... Ooh. Jeskai aristocrats or something like and it's like cool cool so like rule what flying they've already let's about, go exactly <laughs> what they've already talked about is just such a, a delight and i said that's the cure for like writer's block in edh if you're like you, you run out of things to play just spin the wheel and see what happens i love that and i used to do the one on you just spin the random commander on edh rec like that's that can work 
but before you know it, you, you keep spinning it too many times and you're like, well, I'm actually kind of just choosing what I want to build now. So, but yeah, it's, it's, that's a great one. You're right. Like, um, the, the restrictions breed creativity. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah. But no, like, love it. like, like I love, I love their stream and, you know, through quarantine, I've actually started paying more attention to like Twitch. Does that make sense? Like, when you work in yeah, the office, no, it's hard too. to fire exactly. up Twitch during the afternoon. But when you're working at home, yeah, I can throw up on the iPad and, you know, be somewhat. I've never thought I could interact with it because you're like, ah, oh, I've got to be like dedicated to it. It's got to be there, whatever. But as soon as I found that, like you're working from home, you've got another screen set up. I can do this and not be distracted full on from my work. Exactly. I can still be doing a lot of my work. But yeah, like you can listen to Lexicon or something and, and, and like type something in chat every now and then, you know? And yeah. It's, I think that's been really special for her. I never thought about that. You're right. Yeah. So, like, Lexicon is great. Some of the other people I've, like, started to follow because of Twitch and quarantine is, like, uh, Chase at Manicurs. Like, she's one of the people I've started yeah, paying yeah. more attention to and enjoying her content, whether it's her her deck building stream every Tuesday or her gameplay streams throughout the week. You know, Scrap Chowers yeah, is great. Which... EDH Recast does awesome stuff. Um, Commander Hideaway zach taylor and moo um, yeah i love what he's doing that <laughs> they do great stuff down there so like there's tons of people you just gotta know what you look know what you're looking for and yeah the, the rc has their thing and olivia has her thing mm. and jeremy noel has her has his thing uh so like there's tons of stuff out there you just gotta know what you're looking for exactly and then the best part is too that often they connect uh, uh with each other too so are, are it's, you it's discover someone kind of... else because of the person you're watching exactly i ended up on on colin's uh commander sealed league because yeah. i kind of was chatting to him on the on zuby stream one thing and and the way as i learned you i mean i was very new to twitch but it's like you you pay it forward you know you at the end who are we who are we rating next and sending people over and then when you're when you're say part of one of those times when you've got like maybe five people in in the thing and it's kind of just just cool intimate you know you know your people there in the chat whatever but it's not you know you're just having a bit of fun and someone pays it forward with 80 or 100 people exactly like the vibe in there is like and, what what's actually and, going on it's and, crazy. and the, the the that raid thing is kind of elastic in a sense to where like you might exactly you might be sending your chat which has 20 people to someone who has a current viewership of 10, they get, you know, yeah. pee your pants excited because they just got 30 more people pumping into their chat from yeah. someone. And then it, it can, exp- it, you know, expand. Like you said, now you're rating with 80 people to someone else or thousands of people to someone else. And, like, that's that's what I love about Twitch. So, like... Yeah, yeah. I, and I, know, I, know, I never quite understood it until I saw it. I was like, oh, yeah. that's... Yeah, exactly. So, like, so I use I use Twitch... I'm going to tangent again here. Sorry. Um, oh, the I whole use, thing's a tangent. Don't stress. Seriously. I, I use Twitch <laughs> in kind of a, a day and night mode. So, like, I'm a big... Oh, yeah. I'm a big video game guy. I've already said that. So, like, I support a, a content creation company called Kind of Funny or Kind of Funny Games. There are a bunch of people mm-hmm. that used to work at IGN... And now they spawned off, made this company, and they do video game content, movie content, TV show content, just nerd content is what I would say. And since going on quarantine, since they're all in the San Francisco area, they've now gone to, like, their daily video game news show is live on Twitch. And their daily, Hmm. uh, now they, after that news show, they stream for up to three hours a day. And so, like, it's just fun to watch 
this this community that I've become a part of um mm. just rally behind these people and it it has reinvigorated me because like I remember how excited I was when I joined the magic community like as a, just even as a player like I play Magic the Gathering I know 20 mm. new people because of it like and then you get on social media and now I play Magic the Gathering and I know 100 new people because of Twitter exactly now that I'm becoming what they what they actually call kind of funny best friends we're all best friends it's that that reinvigoration of i be belong to something and it makes me bring it back to the magic community be like i want people to belong to something so i i channel that that energy into my community and other communities i'm a part of yeah and and allowed don't deny people you know like it's it's, right don't go keep and just like everyone can be a part of it exactly and i I I try and make that point all the time it's like it's not you don't have to let he host a podcast or do something like I have to be a content creator to, to exactly. be part of some of these things. Be exactly. a, be a good person. Follow any rules that may be in place in the communities you're a part of and be responsible. That's, That's absolutely Be true. responsible for your actions. Like those are my three main criteria yeah. for my community. And we don't, we don't really have any rules. It's, it's be polite, <laughs> like be an adult. Like yeah, that's our yeah. rule. Exactly. Like if we get a complaint, we're going to talk to you because we're adults. We're not going to shadow ban you or anything yeah. like that. Like just be That's adults. Fine. And I've, n- we've never had issues and I'm lucky to say yeah. that. And I know not all communities can say that we're very fortunate. Mm. And yeah, that's it. Be an ambassador, and and I mean, everyone's an ambassador, and uh, we're all cultivating, you know, something and working on it together, kind yeah. of thing. It's um, yeah, it's pretty special, exactly. No, I love it, Max. It's um, that's something that it, it kind of that rounds it out exactly where I wanted it to, which was you know that that kind of touch point on we've all had perspectives of the community last year and and what it means now, and now it's changing the way moving ahead how we're going to play, which I'm excited. I mean, I mostly have to do it for necessity to keep playing the people, you know, across the world, like by webcam EDH, and it's just going to happen that way. So I don't see that going anywhere. I'm excited. So, um, as I alluded to, though, we've got to get to these profile questions. I think I can see what you're doing. You're trying to push us out to beat Jeff's record. I am. We have many? a lot of touch hundreds points of we hours have not on Commander Crunch. On our notes here. <laughs> I did. Do you, you probably know my style now, which is like if they get skipped behind, we'll yeah, get, we'll, we'll get back to them later for episode episode two, even even you know, even better give, uh, a reason exactly a reason uh, to, to to keep the conversation going, which I I'm never going to run out of reasons to anyway. So um, yeah, no, and and thank you all. Like, I thanks so much for also just like all those little touch points, those little nuggets of of, of uh you know great stories from the the history of yourself and and commander central and and also like valuable perspectives on on what this game has actually meant and hopefully make it all enjoy more even more enjoyable and um you know appreciate like i appreciate it more when i hear perspectives like that so without further ado though we're going to find out all the other stuff like you say it's you know magic's one part of you you've kind of touched on a few of those but um we're going to find out all those other juicy juicy little things in uh you know that, that make up the person who is max crandale so as we always go the first one starts off pineapple and pizza what's the deal max i'm i'm perfectly fine with it like pineapple on pizza <laughs> has its place like i'm okay with like a hawaiian pizza pepperoni and pineapple but like you don't throw it on top of a supreme pizza like be like that extra icing on the cake Ooh. like pineapple on pizza has they its do- place but it doesn't belong everywhere. 
<laughs> it was like, I mean, you could Chesh would probably say it's one of the most lukewarm takes, but I think it's the most fair because it's where I'd sit on it too. I don't think you have to be absolutely polarizing I'm, with it or anything but if it's yeah. the only pizza i'm not turning it down like that's how i view it exactly 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 i love it all right next one was pet card you love may not be the best i love this question oof i think i have two i have one that i no longer play because it just is a dead card in my deck most of the time <laughs> and that is compost they don't get more pet hey that's not a dead card Hey, you take that back. It's a great card. I it's a great it. card. In in, <laughs> in in some games. In in the latter years of its livelihood in my deck, it was a dead card 85% no, of the time. <laughs> yeah. No, I just got the, the, so the odds of not getting into a pod with any black pips. Um, yeah, yeah. Maybe that no, would change now with like Tegrid is around. So maybe I could put it back in. <laughs> I have literally cast that card onto a board, uh, onto a table where no one's playing black, and I mean, um, everyone's like, "What? <laughs> what I mean, <laughs> I I have debated putting it into Tuvasa just because it's going to draw me a card for two mana." Yeah, 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 um, yeah. True, true. Well, there you go. There's there's a better there's a better flaw for it, but I think cards don't get any more um, like min maxi than that. Like as in like the the, the yeah. ceiling is enormous, and then like the floor is, is below. It's like is in the, below, below the, the basement floor kind itself, of thing. Yeah. Be- because what is it? Is it a three mana enchantment? I think it's uh, two. Or is it only two? Thing too, but I love it because I I run a gardening Australia deck, which gardening Australia is a gardening TV show, and um, it's just a lot of gardening cards. But compost has to go in there, but it's it's the whenever an opponent has a black card go into their graveyard, uh, you draw a card. Yep. So the the ceiling's enormous. Like you play a uh, like a Sir Conrad deck, it's like oh my god. Okay, <laughs> but like I say, it's like just to just for the theme I've pl- I've casted onto the board with no one playing black, and it's like it's fine, it's it's hilarious. But yeah, um, oh respect. What what was the other pet card? Uh, Subtle the wreckage, I think, would be my other pet card. Ooh, I uh, uh y- yep, and I've been settled by Max Grandel before. Yes, you have. <laughs> I am I'm the type of player that likes to turn my creatures sideways. So in order to do that, I need to get rid of everybody else's creatures. So I play a lot of board wipes and. Surprisingly, for how popular Settle was in Standard, people forget about it in Commander, so holding four mana up with two of it being white isn't an issue, I think. I've at least experienced. Yeah, Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, And it's... People forget, like, it's such a... Such a powerful, like, swing, you know? And it's, like... I remember the... um, just remembering now, actually, that the the great nickname, which was Wrath to Exile, which is perfect. It's exactly what it is. Um... Speaking of what came up next to it was come up and a card I've been fascinated by lately, and I finally got a copy of it, which I'm keen to chuck in a couple of decks for, uh, well, just one of them basically for the moment, just for those uh, again swing around kind of blowouts. Um, maybe that goes in Brian's stout arm instead of the uh, like you say the expected. Um, uh, which one is it? Deflecting palm. Deflecting palm. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. Love it. All right, next one was, uh, who would you most like to have dinner or a drink with, dead or alive, real or fictional? Ooh, um, a real person, Kevin Smith. Okay, okay, I like it. Um, Someone else has said something about it. Mainly to discuss his reasoning behind making the movie Dogma, which is all about, like, the Catholic religion and church and whatnot. Yeah, um... 
I again, I've heard. I have not actually seen that, and I've heard a few people like absolutely just go, "Well, you know, this has to be witnessed." Yeah, uh, it, it definitely is. Like, <laughs> it's a thing. <laughs> you you have to see it for yourself. The unfortunate side of the movie is Harvey Weinstein owns the rights to it, and he is in prison. Uh, so, like, yep. like Miramax itself doesn't own it or anything. It's literally like in his personal possession. So, like. They just had their, like, 15th uh, anniversary on it, like, the last year. And they couldn't do a relaunch of it because nobody owns it except for the guy in prison. Yeah. Wow. That's that's a time. So, what's the the kind of... I mean, could you sum it up kind of as a rundown and, like, almost as a, like, little little sales pitch? And and why someone might want to watch it? Not offend... Not without offending people, no. (laughs) Fair, fair, fair. (laughs) Oh, exactly. If you know who Kevin Smith is and the movies he makes, and then make a movie like he would make about religion, you can probably mm. get the gist of it. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah. So you a uh, you a Jay and Silent Bob fan? I am. Love it. Oh, awesome. Um, and who was the uh, on the other side of that? Who was the? You said so for your real. A real. Kind of so the, the you, fictional. We, we were alluding to the the. Did you have a fictional person? You don't I, have to. I but. do have a fictional person. Love it. Um, and this is abstract fictional. Okay. I want to have a drink with adult Calvin from Calvin and Hobbes. Oh, now Calvin and Hobbes is something. Again, apologize if I can't um, comment too much on it, but it's like I know. I mean, you know, shout out to Hobbes Q from uh, Goblin Law Pod. Exactly. Like, some people have such a such a high respect of Calvin and Hobbes. And I even feel as a uh, graphic designer, I haven't even done my homework on exactly what the kind of legacy is all about, that kind of thing. So, um, <laughs> no, that's, I, I know the character you're talking about, though. Yeah, so, so um, I mean, Calvin Hobbes is the, the, the classic Sunday comic strip about a boy, a child, and his stuffed tiger, which he would imagine to become a real tiger. And he goes through <laughs> his child with this so like my favorite strip is the the one where it's an ongoing gag strip where calvin would ask his mother like hey can i do this and some adult activity no and he'd be whatever whatever (laughs) and then there was one stripper he said hey mom can i do this no can i do this no can i smoke these cigarettes and she says yes (laughs) and he goes out to the stoop and lights up a cigarette and starts hacking up along and being, and he looks at Hobbes, and now Hobbes is in the imag- like the tiger form, not the stuffed animal form. Going, I told you you weren't gonna like it. Why do adults <laughs> like this stuff? Like, those are like reading Calvin and Hobbes as a kid because they were always around at my grandparents, and now I own the entire collection in a like a hardback. Mm. These were all things I thought of. Like, I had these same thoughts as a child. So like I mm. I feel connected with Calvin as a character, and I want to just see how he would be as an adult. Is he as n- somewhat normal as I am, or is he still talking to his stuffed tiger? Did he marry that girl mm. that was in all those comic strips? Maybe not. Like I just I want to see who he turned out to be as an adult. Yeah, I'd like to think he was still talking to his tiger. You know what I mean? Like it's it's the bit I kind of learned to life anyway. It's like hey, there's parts of you that never grow up in a good way. There's there's parts of people that never grow up in a in a 
in a bad way. They for, didn't develop in a way, but yeah. For sure. And there is actually a, like a, a a fan of the strip did a a a, a last of like sketch of Calvin being uh, an older adult, like elderly adult in a nursing home. Most It kind of insinuates that he has dementia or Alzheimer's. He's surrounded by mm. his wife and his children. But the minute his daughter brings Hobbes in, or his granddaughter brings Hobbes in, he flashes back to the memories of him and Hobbes, and he talk, He has a full conversation with Hobbes, like, please look after my granddaughter and stuff like that. And, you know, he, he drifts off to, to die, but he says one final word to his wife now that he's talked to Hobbes, essentially. So it's... Whoever did that sketch was phenomenal, and they wrapped the entire story mm. kind of up in a a great ball that made me very emotional. No, I love it, and it's. I think even in just that little microcosm of a chat about this, it's kind of furthered my understanding of the whole what it's about. And like some of these things are just like absolute evergreen uh, life observations in a in a really amazing, joyous way that like. Yeah, really make you, you you think about yourself a little bit. I'm just seeing the end of like one. I don't know if it's the cigarette sketch, but at the end, it just like almost passed out. Hobbs is like, trusting parents can be hazardous on your health. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's like yeah, and that's actually like that is that's one of the biggest life lessons I ever learned. Hey, like yeah, your parents are your parents. You you grow up thinking they're perfect, and it's like no, like they're just people too, and they're not necessarily always correct. Like. And it's it's how you move forward, and, you know. You make your own kind of things, but like uh, putting together what you have learned and what is a valuable lesson and what's not, and that kind of stuff. It's just yeah, oh, wow, powerful stuff. So you've inspired me to kind of walk even further down that. Uh, well, what is? It's one of those things. It's like there's how much can you have it like check out because there's so much of it, which yeah. is actually a joy. I love it. Uh, awesome. Thanks, Max. Um, Next one was oh yeah you know what this one's about <laughs> what's your video what's your video game hall of fame Oof, all right yeah. as you dust off your notes get ready all right okay uh, I have to include the Borderlands franchise obviously that's who I am uh, it's, it's, it's the game I promote the most it, I I built a commander deck in awe inspired by it so you know <laughs> um I would so inspired he brewed exactly I did brew <laughs> this was actually a brew that I did on my own. For once. Um, I think after that, I would have to include the Ratchet and Clank franchise. Oh, yeah. I've always been a Sony guy at heart. I gotta give it out to GoldenEye, because that's like the first first first-person shooter I ever remember playing. I was gonna say that's 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 going off brand with your Soniness though. It's, it uh, is, but it's Golden Eye. Everybody how, knows like, who Golden Eye is. It's Golden Eye, exactly. It's better than Halo. Yeah, I, I saw better that. Better than Halo. It, 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 I agree. I agree. My um, wife will absolutely hand hand my ass to me on that game. She rocks at it. It's great. I would probably have to include Pokemon Red, Blue, and Yellow just because I remember Truth. playing them as a kid. I don't remember. Mm. I remember the the way you could like get infinite master balls. Like I remember that cheat, <laughs> and that wasn't in yellow. Like that's what I remember yeah. about yellow is you yeah, couldn't you do fix that. that up. Um, 
I, I agree there in that like the whole uh that was probably the fondest memory as well like the the way you broke that game yeah mine wasn't I didn't I don't think I did that but the missing no thing like that was mm. one of the most evocative moments for me and like I've found the 154 first Pokemon yep. and like you feel like you're a pioneer of new worlds like you're like wow I've broken the game <laughs> it's like <laughs> what on earth Ah, I don't know what else I would put in my Hall of Fame. Like, there's tons of stuff that I love to play, but I don't know if it would be some like. I yeah. always I always acquaint a Hall of Fame to like, if you could only play five games or five game franchises, oh, des- what would you pick? It's a desert and Island I, game, yeah. Like, I don't like. There's a lot of stuff I love to play. Like, I love to play Fortnite, but it wouldn't be a Desert Island game because if the yeah, Desert yeah. Island has internet, why am I playing Fortnite? Um, <laughs> well, so that, that's also the funny point that, like, when you say Desert Island, I often say Desert Island Record as well. Like, but it's like it's just funny because you like you think of the setup. And I'm sitting here on Desert Island, little TV and a little PlayStation and yep. a record player, and it's it's the whole Mighty Boosh episode. I don't know if you're familiar, but they uh, they make a couple of houses and it it gets it gets wild anyway. <laughs> but exactly, it's 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 just like well. Would be having bigger conversations if yeah. you could have five records or five video games on an island. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, feel free to leave it there. But, I think um, we're going to leave it there. Know, to if, be honest, if, yeah, yeah. Because it's it's the whole uh, you know the Hall of Fame discussions we have in our, our beloved sports. We both follow, and it's like ah, uh, kind of was a perennial all star kind of thing. But did it kind of like any success in the end? And like just that one little step away. There's plenty of those, but like to make it in the hall. Yeah, <laughs> love it. Uh, well, I mean, we we kind of said it, but do you have an album to recommend us? That's tough. That's very tough. <laughs> Music, um, eh? So I'm going to recommend my favorite album by my favorite band, uh, which is Echoes, Silence, Patience, and Grace by the Foo Fighters. Nice. Um, uh, shout out to, uh, you know, a bit of bit of a nirvana crossover yeah, a little nice. bit yeah dave Grohl all the way mm-hmm. love it i haven't which oh which year is this oh 2007 yeah okay i remember listening to a bit of this when i uh last year of high school yeah yeah i remember the album cover the so that's album. uh i imagine as they go too do you is that your bookmark as well as far as like do you do you get a kind of a visceral kind of um memory of of what was going on in life then yes very much so that album ties to a lot of personal stuff in my life during that year yeah very special no i love it uh next one was best magic art oh i I don't it doesn't have to be objectively best because mine's skeleton ship you know right i'm gonna answer this this way just because i don't have a current favorite magic artist or anything right now i'm gonna have to go with the full art extended piece that ryan paneff did for me for my teferi's protection oh nice yeah very nice uh it's it's super detailed the colors all gradient super well together and he just he does phenomenal work like he is my go-to for altars like that's who i want doing my extended borders everything like that so my goal is to eventually have an entire deck kind of like dana is doing done by ryan oh dang I am just oh, taking I'm taking my entire I'm taking a lot of time with it versus Dana <laughs> just getting it done. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, I'd love that and how good that w- that would look too and you know and you said yourself like that 
Ryan is my favorite Ultras as well. I've got a Titanic Ultimatum in the post, which nice. we should get here soon. But as I've found, it's it's I you know I know if I order something from Ryan, it's going to take some time because he's yeah. got to get across the world, but it's totally worth it, kind of thing. But um, he's been on fire of late too. Some of the ones lately have just been. I mean, I, I'm sure it's nothing new because he's awesome, but it's like some of the ones have made me like literally laugh out loud with joy. Like yeah. the one oh, was it Inferno, and he made it Disco Inferno. He and did. I was like, yep. That is freaking awesome. Like <laughs> it's I, so great. I I ended up just for kind of wanting one. I ended up bidding on one of those cancel 2020s. Like he yeah, c- yeah, yeah. counter target year. I ended up bidding and yep. winning one of those just so I can have it. Just so I can say I I bought one yeah. from Ryan. And it's the type of thing you play. You play a uh, a less good counter spell in your deck because it it says something, you know, and it like it's it sends a message. I it mean, gets people talking. It's like, look, it's, it's showcasing a great. I mean, great altar. It it also doesn't help that Dana wrote an article about why you shouldn't play cancel. So I mean, there's there's some benefit <laughs> there as well. Yeah, caveat to the whole thing: you should if it's altered by a good friend. So yeah, I love it. Um, next one was uh, where we go. Uh, recommend us a movie. So I, I'm going to recommend This Is Where I Leave You. This is a movie that came out in 2014. It stars Jason Bateman, Tina Fey, Adam Driver, um, uh, Corey Stoll, who was in Ant-Man, uh, the original Ant-Man yep. with, as the bad guy. Jane Fonda's in it. Uh, more notably, more recently famous, Catherine Hahn is in it. Uh, Timothy Oilfond is in it. Um, it's a story about... A, a family who the father passes away and the four siblings, Tina Fey, Adam Driver, Corey Stoll, and uh, Jason Bateman, they're kind of estranged siblings. They don't, you can tell a couple talk to each other and vice versa. Some are just, you know, the absent youngest child. Um, they all kind of come back together for dad's funeral, which turns into them sitting Shiva because it's a Jewish tradition where you sit for seven days to honor the the death of the family member and you just kind of learn about the family dynamics and this family that you can tell in the beginning of the movie is so distant from each other throughout the movie Mm. kind of becomes a family again and this just kind of relates a lot to kind of my personal life a little bit and how i may Mm. perceive the future on top of it is it just has an amazing cast and it's paced yeah. very well. It's a good story and a lot of great cameos and like side side bits in here. It's a great watch. It's available to rent on like Amazon Prime and whatnot, and I I highly recommend it. Love it. Thanks for thanks for recommendation. Uh, recommendation. Definitely want to watch that one. Um, you, you talked about the original premise. I'm like it's almost like the uh, the way Royal Tenenbaums feels when it all starts Ye- up and everything. Yes, but, yeah. yes, but not yeah. not quite the Royal Tenenbaums. No, and that's a that's its own thing. That's, it, a, that's very a, much with Anderson, of course. But yeah, and and these kind of ones too that that make you um you think about your own family and hopefully with appreciation and. Yeah, and and what it all means that it's funny that I I have that theme too that like family's family and you can expect it to be all tight and everything is not necessarily the case like everyone can have their differences and you know and 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 might not actually be as as synergistic as people may believe from the outside looking in and yeah good one I'm definitely going to watch that and I think Kate will definitely appreciate that as well and uh, some some favorite actors in there so. Love it. Um, next one was, oh, you touched on Pokemon Red and, and Blue and, and Yellow. Uh, favorite Pokemon? 
Easy. Who do you relate the, to in the Pokemon world? Uh, easy. The Squirtle with the kick-ass sunglasses from the cartoon oh, show. Oh, yeah. The deal, <laughs> deal with it, Squirtle. Squirtle exactly. Squirtle. <laughs> when I play Super Smash Brothers, um, I play as Squirtle. When I play Pokemon, I play as Squirtle. It's done deal. Yeah. Squirtle's yeah, all exactly. the way. Squirtle Personality Squad Unite. Personality test starting, starting uh, Pokemon. It's like, exactly. It's like, mm-hmm. hey, definitely uh, speaking to me there. I'm a, I'm a Squirtle uh, fan through and through. Love it. And uh, last one was in just a few words, Max. What does magic mean to you? Oof. Just the loaded one. <laughs> this is a loaded one because I feel like throughout my tenure, I'd have a different answer. Um, so I, I think at this point in my magic tenure, magic is it's a hobby I find great enjoyment out of and that I love talking about. I love expressing mm. my opinions on on the theory of commander or card selection based on how I like to play the game. I also somewhat feel like magic is a way for me to get some competitiveness out. Granted that I'm not here to win every game, but I want to win every game. So like, yeah, it's still an, I'm not going to walk into a pod to try to pub stomp, but I'm going to try to walk in and play at the power of the pod and win, you know, but I'm also not going to, be be complaining that i lost like because Mm. i'm just here in the end i'm here to have a fun time and chat with my friends but i still want to win because that's the type of person i am i love that a lot and and it it reminds me i mean that that point you made earlier on you know back at like hour one (laughs) and also kudos we've been going this long this is awesome i think you are encroaching on um on on uh jeff's Ah. dubious title but uh, that that point too that magic is immense in in it's it's so big you and and it's ever refreshing in a way that you can come back to it and and it's so big you can take a break and you're not going to miss things too it, exactly and you know some of the some of the best things about magic are there are those nights where you want to be super focused on the gameplay like I want to go yeah, yeah. hang out at my buddy's house with my three other good friends and play really good games of commander and then. Yeah. There's those nights where you play with those same three people, but you just want to sit there and drink a bottle of scotch and have good conversation. And who cares who wins or how they won? Because (laughs) that's when the memories are made. Like, sure, I'm going to I'm going to remember how I I looped three counter spells in a Narset reversal to maybe win a game. But I'm going to remember the details of that awesome conversation I had the next week way more than how I won that game. Yeah, exactly. No, love it, love it to bits. Um, well, I'm going to leave it at that, Max. I think I think you've 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 said so much uh, awesome. in in a way I absolutely appreciate. And um, you know, I think we've successfully hung out for what has been the first episode without Chesh, which has been very interesting. Oh. I'm like, oh crap! And 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 Chesh often jokes. He's like, you don't need me here half the time. He's like, you just do your thing with guests. I'm like, no, but that's the that's the beauty of it. There's like that tangential, like you know. He might not say anything for half an hour, then he chimes in with this absolute nugget of wisdom and just throws us all for five. Like it's just, it's so funny and and great, and appreciate him so much. So don't worry, everyone. He's not going anywhere. He's just on other official card duties. Uh, he'll be back. I think he was bummed he couldn't, um, you know, talk to you this week, but um, we'll get to it and do something soon for yeah. sure. Uh, but yeah, we've got another few guests lined up over the next few weeks, and and kind of moving back to a, a regular-ish schedule. I think I. I mean, very on theme. It's it's funny. I um I have a habit of 
uh, kind of giving advice or like discussing advice and then actually having to action it the next week and being surprised. <laughs> but I, I totally had a thing what we talked about, which was I started a new job in the last two weeks and right. realized how overwhelming that was trying to feel out a whole new culture uh, and where I sit in it. And also like uh, literally I've been elevated to a new position I've wanted for a long time and then feeling overwhelmed with it. And it's like, wow, why am I here? And, um, but yeah, it was totally the point. I'm like, I feel like I can't put all my energy into a lot of the magic stuff I'm doing and I feel like I'm betraying it, but no, having a, you know, a clear thing to go, no, we should acknowledge that when it happens and have a break and you're going to come back and it'll be fresh again and it'll be great. So yeah, thanks so much, Max, for like being that kind of big, uh, beacon of of magic outlet to uh to kind of bring it all back after what was actually only really a week off but it feels like an eternity for me <laughs> well it's not so well thank you so much for inviting me and having me and it's been a blast i was looking forward to this uh the oh, minute you invited it. me and thank you for all the kind <laughs> words you said about me you obviously don't know me well enough um <laughs> but no this has been a and- blast and i can't wait to hopefully be invited back to prove that we didn't yeah. sink the ship. You've got to leave uh, some stuff in the tank because, I mean, you're always... And that's the, the beauty of it. Like, I mean, I'll make that point. Everyone is interesting. And I guarantee you we could do another three-hour one easy. Um, and oh, that's, for sure. And that's the fun of it. Um, I, I need to leave a last point before we sign off with creds and everything. Um, with uh, actually something I only just remembered. Why didn't I put this at the start of the episode? <laughs> but uh, when I, one of the first times I ever spoke to Lenny, uh, who I've since played a million games with over Spell Table, love Lenny to bits, um, absolute treasure of the community. Uh, but Lenny goes, oh, um, I was just talking to uh, Max about Commander Crunch. And I'm like, why are you doing such a kind thing? Thank you. And uh, he goes, no, I've been trying to hook you two up so you can become Sam and Max hit the road. I was like, get out of town. Oh, That's that means I get to be the bunny rabbit. I'm totally game <laughs> exactly. for this. And I'm the tall dog. Exactly. Like, and you it's know, the best. And the, the best part that about that my is soul. the dog wears pants and the bunny doesn't. <laughs> exactly. Thank you, exactly. Lenny. And- uh, Lenny, Lenny's yeah, ever ever um, genius and yeah, just wow. And, and, and I'm a big LucasArts fan. Like this is huge. So yeah, Lucas Games bit, so. is back at it. Maybe we'll get a brand new <laughs> Salmon Max in the next ten years. Exactly. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I kind of said it. But uh, where can the people find you, Max? Yeah. So uh, I'm a host of the Commander Central, one of the co-hosts of the Commander Central podcast. We're a commander-focused <laughs> podcast that comes out on podcasting platforms around the world every Monday and the occasional Thursday um, when we can find time to record multiple episodes a week. Um, I'm also on Twitter at commander CMDR Central underscore Max. You can find me on Discord with that same username. Um, pretty much just Google that, and you can probably find me one one way or another. Um, or talk to Sam, talk to Lenny, talk to any other person in the community that <laughs> you might know my name is tied to, and they'll put you in connection with me. Um, I'm always looking <laughs> to play it. some VEDH or talk beer or video games or pop culture. Whatever you want to talk about, I'm here to talk about. Um, and that's what I'm here to do. Love it. Love it. Um, and you can find me at Pass the Jam Sam on the Twitters, on the Instagrams, but more importantly, you can find the podcast. Uh, at cmdr underscore crunch uh, on twitter and at cmdr crunch on instagram the website is cmdr and you can send thoughts feedback 
whatever you want, really. Pictures of cephalids. Uh, anything to cmdrcrunchpodcast at gmail.com. But, um, yeah. What about been... nudes? Can I send nudes? The well, command- as I joke. The Commander uh, Cookout guys have been ignoring me for a while, so someone else <laughs> needs to see this glorious body with no pants on. <laughs> As a, yeah, exactly. As I say, I'll let uh, I'll, I'll let um, Gmail's spam filter do the, uh, the 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 filtering for for tasteful content. Okay. So uh, okay, if so, it, if so it's a tasteful so initi- mood, I'm sure I'll initiate reach me. a conversation <laughs> from the show Gmail to your Gmail, and then send nudes. Gotcha. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I mean, so until next week, uh, <laughs> I think what we often <laughs> what we often do is 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 sign off with a uh, a bit of I don't know. Do we have any advice to give our lovely listeners? Apart from, I mean, I I I think the message I got from this episode just just be a good ambassador for the game. You know, you never know who's going to get into it, and don't tell them about why the uh, you know the Walking Dead bit sucked and blah blah blah, and bore them with those details. Like no, it's like tell them about it, all the good stuff. Yeah, my 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 point of advice is this: just be a good person, be nice to people, and and yeah. just don't. If you don't got nothing nice to say, don't say anything at all. Exactly, exactly. So um, yeah, I mean, again, again, again. Thank you, Max. Thank you, listeners. No. It's been awesome, and um, yeah, thank you so much for having me. Good. It's been an honor, and I'm super excited <laughs> we got to do this. Love it. Let's keep the ship sailing. It's not. It's not sunk yet. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. See you, see you folks.